Greetings adventurer, and welcome to the Surly Nerf. Greetings adventurers, and welcome to the show. We are the Surly Nerd, your geek news roundup for the week that was. I'm your host, James, and with me this week is our producer, Tony. Hey. And our co-host, Hector. Hello. And this week on the show, after the news, we're going to have a spoiler-tastic talk about all things Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But before we start, don't forget that you can head over to patreon.com slash the Surly Nerd, where as a patron of our show, you can su- suggest topics for us to talk about. Our Final Fantasy VII Remake episode is up now, over there, so it's... I think it's worth a listen. I think we spent a good hour and a half talking about Final Fantasy VII Remake. Mm-hmm. It's worth a listen. And with all that out of the way, ladies and gentlemen, adventures of all ages, it's time for The Prelude. Prelude. All right, this is The Prelude. This is what we've been doing with ourselves this week, what we've been playing, what we've been watching, what's been occupying our free time. Uh, Tony, what have you been doing this week? Um, as I said last week, I was going to talk about the first three episodes of The Nevers. Okay. Yeah. Um, because... That is the HBO show yeah. that is a Joss Whedon show? Yeah, he's the creator behind it. I went into that not remembering that. I mean, we probably talked about it at some point on the show and mm-hmm. we mentioned the name. Mm-hmm. And then I never fucking remembered it. I didn't watch a trailer. Yeah. I just yeah. went, oh, there's a Victorian thing on HBO. I'm going to watch that. Yeah, right. cool. So I did and went, fuck, that's from Joss Whedon. <laughs> How do I feel about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I'm going to go with the how do I feel about the show prior to that. Okay. the first episode. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. And the first episode was, wow, there is a, this is a lot of strong women characters doing stuff with a lot of trauma and, oh, cool, uh, they've got powers and stuff. Should have been really on the nose. That's a Joss Whedon story. Like, <laughs> Victorian, right? and, Victorian power girls. That's yeah. by Joss Whedon. Right. It sounds like a meme. It is. It's, it pretty much is at this point. It, it's really, it is, it, it's, if you didn't know it was Joss Whedon, mm-hmm. eventually you'd go like, this This seems like a Joss Whedon thing. Right. But it's still really well done. It's still mm-hmm. really well made. The cast is well done. Everybody else, if one, it's the, does one bad apple spoil the bunch or right. all cops bastards? In this case, Joss Whedon is the bastard. Everybody else is fine. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just that one asshole. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, the, the way, I don't know. There's, as a filmmaker, Joss Whedon is hit or miss. Avengers is an incredible movie. Yep. Age of Ultron's kind of him as it, at his worst. Sometimes he makes great things like Buffy. Sometimes he makes bad things like some parts of Buffy. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, as a filmmaker, he's fine. He's done some good things. And I'm kind of yeah. always willing to give what he's made a shot. Unless I find out he did something horrible to one of the cast members. Yeah. Yeah. Like In this case. I don't know anything about that part of it, right? But yeah. I don't think there's anything said. I didn't look up any drama stuff, yeah. right? But we would have probably known about it. Hopefully, yeah. he was a professional while yeah. working. Yeah. Um, well, with that being said, it's Joss Whedon being Joss Whedon, need doing Joss Whedon stuff. So if you're into that, I mean, you cool. told me you told me it's a Victorian X Men story, and I'm like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I could see I, it. I, it's I'm Victorian X Men, and if you just if you're hard up for some fantasy weird shit, just fucking go for it. We got nothing else to do right now. Everybody still stay inside. Did you say this was on HBO? <laughs> yeah. Or so, HBO Max. HBO Max. So are we talking like 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 titties and gore? I mean, it's definitely uh, more of it for an adult audience. Okay, because uh, I haven't shot seen that. There is, bl- there is some blood in there. Okay. People getting shot. There, it is a bit more uh, that, but it's still a bit reserved. It's no, nah, I'm just like just give it a shot. Just give it a shot. All right, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 interesting. The yeah. other thing that I'm going to bring up is something that's coming up very soon. 
And that is the return of the Vault of Glass. Okay. Ah, yes. Wait, again. Yeah, yes. So the Vault is, of Glass is, is returning into Destiny. The original raid is coming back. Mm -hmm. And um, for actual story plotline reasons, they okay. always said, like, we're not only going to do things if they actually make sense. Right. And this does make sense why they're returning to it. Imagine that. They figured out how to do that work. Right. It's not that hard. Um, but it's the new raid for the new season that's coming up in like a week or so. Um, it's going to start with its hard mode um, slash challenge mode thing mm -hmm. for the first 24 hours. Um, you get a title belt, but this is the first title belt to actually have another clan's name on it because it shows the first winners on one side and the second winners on the other. Okay, okay fun. Yeah. It's, it's a second and new raid, right. but it's still the old raid. Hmm. But a lot of the encounters have been changed. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't, they're not telling us anything to this. What we can expect at this point is they've made a lot of changes to the encounters. The, the whole raid could possibly be completely different. But okay. we, we've got an idea of the champions and bullshit they have in other raids that they're going to probably throw into this one. Okay. But either way, it's the first time we've gotten to kind of redo this experience. We're going from the first raid that was nobody knew what the fuck Destiny was. Right. What, what was a raid in Destiny? They knew what a mm -hmm. WoW raid was. They knew what an EverQuest raid was. Right. The fuck is the raid? Why are you calling this a raid? And they have guns. Right. Like, this doesn't make sense. And you could see that. That took, like, however many hours. I don't know. There was, were... a, there was a lot of guns in the raid. Yeah. yeah right. But there was um, a lot of, uh, for, it took like a day or however many hours mm. for that first raid to be completed. And you notice they've gotten generally faster as they've gotten, people have gotten better, know sure. their game yeah. mechanics and how they're going to figure it out. And mm. people have become better at it. So this is the first time we're readdressing a raid that people should know all the mechanics for mm. because it's been done. Except so this they, is going to be they're they're gonna new them. mechanics. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be a fun, interesting world's first raid um, experience. I would suggest hopping on Twitch and just watching like if, as many different channels co-streaming at the same time. <laughs> like if you can put one of those nine streams up things, that's probably what I'm going to do while I'm trying to do it. Right. Uh, just because, holy shit, trying to watch everybody do a thing that we all know that we know how to do. Mm-hmm but we don't know how to do it anymore. Yeah. It's going to be, be so be much fun. fun. So I'm like, hey guys, come back to Destiny um, and get your ass handed to you in your old raid, but now on PC where you have more frames. Yeah. yeah. Hector, what'd you do this week? Uh, let's see. So uh, first thing I did was I sat down to watch the Netflix show Shadow and Bone. Mm -hmm. I got exactly three minutes into it and then you messaged me telling me Handmaid's Tale had <laughs> dropped the first three episodes of season four. Early. So I, yeah, they dropped it early. They, that they dropped it early. So I took Shadow one bone and I chucked it in the fuck it bucket and <laughs> I started watching Handmaid's Tale season four. I only got through the first two episodes and then I was emotionally tired and needed a nap. <laughs> um, but goddamn, is it holding up? Is it still the great show that it was? Mm -hmm. And it's they're they're doing this thing where they're letting it be fun for a minute and not mm -hmm. fun in a happy way but fun in a yeah fuck those guys sort of way mm -hmm. and like i know there's like more handmaid's tale coming and i'm gonna go on a m much longer roller coaster ride but as of right now it's god it's such a good show mm -hmm. What else you got? Uh, let's see. I played the early access game Scavengers, mm -hmm. which is a game that is like 12 genres all in one. Okay. Think like a, a survival game, kind of like um, 
uh, you know, any of the ones where you like drop in and you have to like gather resources, like, uh, Valheim or whatever it's called. Yeah, it's right, going right, on right. But now. but you're not exactly building any huts. You're surviving okay. out on your own, fighting like zombies that might Daisy come after kind you. Of thing. Yeah, you're collecting stuff. Um, but it's also a battle royale in which there are a bunch of other teams of three on the map doing the same things. Mm. And there's an encroaching circle, which in this case is a storm that locks you out of parts of the map as the match goes on. Hmm. Um, there's extracts, there's persistent currency within everything. So it's kind of a lot of games in one game. Okay. Um, it, in its early access form, I can see where it's going and it does seem fun. And there's not a lot of jank to it. So um, okay. it that's, might be one to watch. It, it, it's decent enough. But I kind of spent most of this week waiting for Eternal, which is happening as soon as I get home from this podcast. Yep. So I'll tell you about it next week. Okay. Um, the only other thing that I'm excited for coming up is Apex Legends is getting a... Um, normal game mode a not a non-battle royale mode it's going to have you know just a 3v3 arena fights mm -hmm. um which is super cool or just like squad v squad in a smaller map where you're not like trying to be the last one to survive but you're actually just doing pvp and right. rising and the point is to get the guns and to kill each other not to run around the map and be the last to survive that sounds right. way right. more fun that's why i'm looking forward <laughs> to it because i fucking hate apex legends because i will constantly run for 10 minutes and fight for about 45 seconds die because i've never spent any time shooting the guns in the game and then run for another 10 minutes right now that part is fixed and i can't wait to play the game because it has really good shooting mechanics mm -hmm. well it is titanfall it is tight because it's titanfall yeah, it's, um, it's, that's actually something that yeah, i might hop on and play with you because that mm -hmm. sounds really fun because i like apex legends a little bit of like the three games i played was like this feels like a good shooting game yeah. mm -hmm. I just don't give a fuck about the, <laughs> yeah, the battle royale, <laughs> battle royale part. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. I downloaded a new mobile game this week, and mm -hmm. I know that everybody's about to instantly roll their Diablo? eyes. Yeah. Uh, actually, Magic: The Gathering Arena. Oh, did yeah. that get a full it, mobile it, client? It's, it's got a full mobile client. It ties directly into your account, so anything that you do on the PC version just plays on your phone. Um, and I found I found myself enjoying just passing the time, sitting on the couch, watching Handmaid's Tale, like passively i'm just playing the single player campaign yeah. and just like passively playing the single player campaign mm -hmm. while i was doing it you know where that the was cards fun go. yeah <laughs> so that was fun um and there was one thing that we all did this week which was uh we all watched mortal Kombat. yeah we did yep uh it was a movie it was absolutely a movie it was a fun movie Dude, that was movie fun. was fucking yeah. good yeah it was so good like the i don't know if i'd use good to describe it well the beginning of the movie was so cool right you got the whole and we're, we're gonna do as few spoilers as possible yes, but the beginning really. of the movie was action-packed it was awesome everyone coming in for mortal Kombat got characters they like doing cool shit everyone who was just there for like a what's this got like a really good opening to the movie yeah the opening of the movie is the thing that confused me because it was so beautiful it was so like mm -hmm. a kurosawa film and i was like fuck like if this is the kind of movie i'm in for fuck yes and then the movie happened i'm like wait this is nothing like the first part of the movie what the fuck happened <laughs> the first part of the movie was essentially taken from already existing mm -hmm. animation or existing mm -hmm. material the um um rise of Earth, uh, the Re scorpion's revenge, scorpion's uh, revenge mortal Kombat, right. scorpion's revenge yeah you have to, it's got this fucking long ass titles because they're animes. Yep. And there's a couple of other series that I remember going back, and they've that entire movie modified existing lore, but just retold it or revamped it into like here in this yeah. new live action version of what we've animated in various degrees of sure. storytelling mm -hmm. because you get different story 
you've gotten different points of view. You get Sub Zero's mm. point of view. You get Scorpion's point of view. You get we've gotten different characters and mm. different stories. This is a new story with these same characters. That's why Mortal Kombat always does this shit. Mm-hmm. But they're sticking with the mythology. They're sticking and the 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 uh, the special effects. I'm with the practical yeah. effects looked fucking yeah. great. Yeah, the CGI looked pretty good. The yeah, actors definitely were awesome. Getting that level of actors to be in it and take it fucking seriously, <laughs> right? Like, I'm super happy that I, this is a Mortal Kombat movie. That I'm, I'm happy to go. I mean, making more like to be fair, yeah. the bar was like it was Annihilation. You have to be better than yeah, Annihilation. Okay. So, so yeah, the, and better the, than the worst one. Yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. To speak to speak to the Mortal Kombat movie versus other <laughs> Mortal Kombat movies, this is easily the best one. It asks a lot of its audience. It doesn't rest on the fact that it is a video game movie to bring in its audience. It sits there being a Mortal Kombat movie while also being a lot of fun for people who might not really understand that. Right. It also doesn't talk down to its audience. It expects them to read subtitles and understand that, that is true. different does. languages yep. are being spoken. It's got really great representat- representation for like every gamut from, you know, minorities to women to amputees. I mean, it's got all kinds of interesting stuff going on in it. And it is just absolutely fucking hilarious sometimes Mm -hmm. and super, super awesome sometimes. I mean, the whole like Sub-Zero catching the guys whose blood he shed in icicle form and stabbing him with his own blood is like one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Um, yeah, so it's a fun ride. It is not. It, it, it is absolutely not art. You are not yeah. missing out if you don't see this movie. It is just fun, but it's a lot of fun. It was. It was. I was watching it with you, and mm-hmm. I was sitting on the couch, going, "Man, I feel like I'm just sitting in a theater right now watching a popcorn film." Yep, mm-hmm. and not in a bad way. I don't mean popcorn film as an no. insult. I mean yeah. like I just want to. Like I've had a long work week. I need to fucking decompress. Let's go to the movies and watch something stupid. Yep. yep. Yeah. And that's what it was. That's and what that movie great. felt like. Yep. Absolutely. Fantastic. I loved. Every moment of it. Yeah. And I, I recommend everybody to watch it just because I want I know they're gonna make more. Yeah. Cause they gotta get that. We want our own franchise. Yeah. And they totally like set up a sequel. Yeah. So yeah. We, we, we have a tournament arc coming, guys. Yeah. Hopefully, All right. Hopefully. More people will die. <laughs> that is everything we have for the prelude this week. We're gonna take a small break. When we come back, we'll be going into our main news segment in the weekly raid. Weekly Raid. Hey, adventurers, welcome back to the show. This is the Weekly Raid, your news roundup for the week. There's a lot of great news to cover this week, so let's jump right in. We previously mentioned that the E3 demo of the unreleased Castlevania Resurrection had surfaced, and if this kind of thing is your jam, then you're in luck, because that prototype is now online. You can download it and play it in an emulator, um, or thanks to the fan site Sega Dreamcast Info, they have information on what you need to do to download the ISO and burn it to a disc so you can actually just play it on your Dreamcast. Wow. 
That's awesome. I am probably going to dust off my Dreamcast at some point here. Yeah, so. holy shit. I mean, that's, that's New Castlevania, I guess. Right, that's the closest we're getting to New <laughs> Castlevania forever. For, don't, forever. Don't give me any promises like, oh, well, you know, Konami's coming to E3. Like, I don't trust them. You know what? If Konami goes to E3 and does anything other than we're going to give all of our IP to, like, the <laughs> Capcom. We're going to put all of, our, all of our IP in a pit. Y'all fight. <laughs> oh my god that'd be amazing i could see like respawn and like capcom right at the very end of this <laughs> and like bioware's on the side like cheering them on yeah they're just they're just like all right i'll take this one you take that one. <laughs> right. right let's go uh let's see here oh we had uh heard that there was going to be a john wick show called the continental yeah but we didn't know what it was going to be about so as of this week it was announced that the continental will be quote set in a crumbling New York in the 1970s and be an origin for the hotel and for its manager, Winston. Nice. The Continental Season 1 will consist of three 90-minute episodes. Ooh, okay, BBC style. Yep, which I'm all for. I love that. I love your, like, condensed story. It's, it's easy to digest. I'm just getting, like, three three movies, essentially. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They're like, like, like a season of Sherlock Holmes, basically. Yep. I'm a completely... season of not John Wick. Yeah. Yeah, it'll I'm, be cool because, like, uh, honestly, night, let me see shitty 1970s New York. I've watched so many things about shitty 1970s <laughs> New York. I will watch, but happily now, watch but now with assassins. One, yeah, but, but now with equal amounts of murders, all the other <laughs> shitty 70s New York things I watch. Well, that just means there's an excuse for the violence in this one. True, it isn't just like crimes happen in New York. It's like, but we also have assassins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, I mean, last sure. time we had Jokers, so <laughs> I can't wait for like the end of the Continental season three to be like modern day, and it's just like, so we're the reason that the New York streets got cleaned up. No. It was the assassins. Like we literally had assassins, and they took everybody out, and that's why New York it wasn't gentrification. It wasn't any of that. Someone, Anything else about? Yeah. Okay. Like, King Winston at the Continental is like, can we get a fucking Disney store across the street? The goddamn heroin den needs to go. I don't have. To, it's a nice hotel, guys. It's a nice hotel. Uh, DC has announced they're launching a new horror imprint, simply called DC Horror. The first title that they're going to be releasing will be a five-issue series called The Conjuring, The Lover. And it's going to be released on June 1st. Hmm. This comic will serve as a prelude to the third film in the franchise, which has not been released yet. Ooh. I don't know. I, I, anytime okay. that, that, that horror comics comes up, my, my little EC heart beats mm-hmm. and grows five more sizes. Um, obviously, Joe Hill just got his imprint, um, yeah. the Hill House comics. Um, but I've heard nothing but rave reviews about those. Um, hearing DC entering the market, I'm excited for that. I think it's interesting that they went with a known property for their first one. Mm-hmm. I don't really think this is them making really a horror imprint. I think this is them making a specific imprint that they're labeling as a horror imprint for doing conjuring movie stuff mm. that they can then fuck with whatever they want to do conjuring slash Superman fiction. Yeah. I mean, it, that way they can do that bullshit. I can, I can see that kind and of keep it happening. separate and keep the titles two different things. I just feel what, like, there's, yeah, I just ahead. feel like there's an opportunity here where, you know, we have like Constantine who's been like getting his own comics for a yeah. while, mm-hmm. but they've been okay. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you have a horror imprint, you'd be like, Hey, let's put Constantine in the horror imprint and not, oh, not in the conjuring universe. Just fucking put Constantine like vertigo style yeah. in his own comic where it could be like, you know, just an, let adult, him do shit. an adult rated comic where he can smoke and, 
bang dudes because that's what Constantine does. Yep. Like, oh, he banged King Shark that one time. Yeah. Like, let him let him bang King whatever. Shark again. Bang Sarah Lance. He banged whoever he wants. <laughs> right. Just let just let Constantine bang people. Is all mm-hmm. I'm saying. Put him in the horror comics. Make them actually about horror and let him bang things. Yeah. He needs to bang things. His life is fucking tragic. <laughs> right. It's horrible. I would never want to be Constantine. <laughs> But he did get to bang King Shark, which yeah. props to him. I mean, hell. I mean, if he lets you. Right. <laughs> right. But horror comics, seriously, we need more of these. I'm going to go out and actually pick up some of the Hill House comics. Um, I, I actually probably will pick up these Conjuring comics just because I want to see what the quality of DC horror will be. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that it is a little bit more adult-leaning um, and not just kind of like, hey, we slapped a movie license on it. It'll yeah, have a little bit of blood. I want to be the horror movie license section where DC does dumb things. Like, I was right. saying. Like, yeah, yeah, just, we're probably all thinking annoying. about, like, you know, all the times in the past when, like, you know, the hand that rocks the cradle, like, crossed over with an Archie comic for an issue, and it's super lame or some right. shit like that, you know. The, the shit that used to happen in the 90s and 80s, and the, I, I yeah. hope this isn't that. I mean, they, well, did, they did make Archie versus Predator. Yeah, but that was awesome. Yeah, that is but true. What is the, what's the bad thing in the conjuring is it a house is it a ghost uh, each story is it. different okay the conjuring follows this couple that's in real life went around and collected ghost things but the thing is okay, so what type of movie is this is this the found footage in the house type of movie oh, no, no, no no it's straight okay. up just these, are, up these are weird um ghosts yeah shit's haunted, yeah, yeah, shit's haunted, haunted bro. okay yeah. sometimes yeah, it's Superman a chair can't fight that. sometimes <laughs> yeah. it's a doll sometimes be a toaster it's just a possession <laughs> And it's, yeah, it's, I, I really love the world that they've created. It's just, you know, full of bullshit because it's all this religious crap that they keep throwing at it. Oh, yeah. I mean, but what else? How do, how I love the rest ghosts? of mythology. I mean, <laughs> literally, you could make anything mythology. else up aside from, you know, Jesus. You made could, it but like, you know, yeah, I could, you could make anything up, but I don't know. It's just lazy like, writing to me whenever they just go with Jesus made it happen. Well, there's this like thing where the, the zeitgeist thinks ghosts in possession, they think religious stuff. Yeah, right. For instance, if I made a movie where where a werewolf, uh, a werewolf movie where his origin is he came out of a swamp, everyone would be very confused. Mm-hmm. If I made a movie about ghosts and it was like, where'd the ghosts come from? Oh, the science machine made them. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone would be real confused. I think that's it's a like, great why, why did the science machine make ghosts? Fuck that. No, dude, start telling some crazy fucking weird ass sci-fi with that shit. Or cool. just start create, creating up with your own things. Stop relying on the regular bullshit thing that everybody, it's like, oh, we've got to do the... Mm-hmm because of this but look at what types of stories we're telling through anime and going through other religious aspects to tell ghosts and shit through true like there are other ways to do this that aren't the same true, hand but, job to fucking the right church. but but writers <laughs> but writers write that. what they know but, and you what know, they, they do reference they just keep that. fucking they they're helping they're they're supporting and emphasizing people's beliefs in mm. something that is obviously not real mm which I think is a problem. And that's one of the reasons why I do not like religious reasons for my horror. That's fair. Yeah. Tony stays away from the religious horror. I, for one, love a lot of that. I love possession films, Mm -hmm. exorcism films that I eat that shit up. But Tony doesn't. And that's understandable. And that is his opinion about it. Why did you have to like pray away this person's schizophrenia? Obviously, this person has mental health issues and you're just blaming on Jesus. Yeah, that's real good reason to watch a fucking movie. The reason, Tony, is because God is protecting this particular person in this particular place. This is not a religious discussion. We need to avoid that kind of talk here on the panel, please. Um, Also in horror news this week, Lionsgate is currently developing an American psycho television show and could down the road potentially develop a series based on the Saw franchise. 
this is because they don't want to lose the rights to shit, so they're putting it into a production thing. It's literally never going to see the light of day. Did the well, Saw we, we, one, maybe. We, so, after no, well, the thing is, they, they've they confirmed have... American Psycho. They have not confirmed Saw. Mm. Well, don't we have Spiral already? Spiral so, yeah. will be coming out in uh, another week. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, so, so we have a, a continuation. But, but well, let's that's the the obvious question here. Why American that Psycho is a TV show? Looking forward to, yeah, like, like yeah, why? Yeah, so, to, so yeah, oh. yeah, saw stuff on the table. I'm looking forward to the saw stuff. That American Psycho. I think when you first told me about this, my immediate response was, I don't understand why people like that movie. Right. I don't understand why people like American Psycho. I've never understood it. I know a lot of people who really enjoyed it when they saw it. Maybe they thought it was a different type of horror movie or something like that. Yeah. I was never scared. I was mostly annoyed and uncomfortable. And while there is a time and a place for a movie like that, I... When I look at Christian Bale, I don't want to be, like, turned off. Like, who wants that? Yeah, but I, I, I think that American Psycho is... breaking when... down... It's meant to show a specific time and place and personal aspect. Like it really mm -hmm. does grasp this one person's breakdown, mm -hmm. and that's the reason why to watch. It's watching purely just Christian Bale Descent losing his fucking yeah, mind Descent Descent right. madness. Mm -hmm. during all of this other crazy, like the 1980s bullshit. You have to understand right. that the world that the writer wrote it into is. The, bull, the the crazy cocaine fueled yeah, it's Wolf of Wall Street, yeah, Wolf of Wall Street yeah, bullshit. Right. You're like, okay, that's the setting that you but, have to. But do I want a series made out of that? I don't think so. Yeah, I think I no. got it. Yeah, in the I movie. don't understand because the sequel movie that it was bad. wasn't that fun. It was bad. Ooh, wasn't it like a Starship Troopers level sequel? Oh, it was, super bad. It was, it was super bad. no. It was. Um, it's because the book has a sequel. Oh, and it follows Jason's little brother going into his I think freshman year or some. It's one of the years mm. in college. That was his and, daughter. Pretty sure it's his brother. Either way, do okay. they go crazy too? Is that the plot of that, the sequel? I can't remember. I went to that movie for my yeah, birthday, bad. and yeah, that was a really bad just birthday overall. That's that movie did not make it better. Make it better. I'm glad yeah. I don't remember most of it at this point. Okay. Well, let's move on from that. Um, the game Warframe is going to be having a free digital convention on July 17th to celebrate the upcoming announcements for the title. Um, now, however, it is free, but there are three types of digital tickets that if you purchase them, will give you access to a bunch of stuff in game uh, there's also physical swag that you can buy like t-shirts and whatnot but the reason that they bring this up is not because hey everybody's playing warframe um the proceeds from all these packages that you purchase to go to this convention will go towards the unity uh project i'm sorry unity project for relief of homelessness cool so this is not just hey come buy our virtual ticket we're gonna make the company a bunch of money they're like if you're willing to put in money and you'll get some Cool in-game shit, but also it's all going to a good cause. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I yeah. like Warframe. Let's do that more. Already does the is the uh, was the best free-to-play game model. Mm -hmm. and everybody's kind of had to steal bits and pieces of it mm -hmm. to, to kind of get their games to equal to be yeah kind of free-to-play. The yeah. amount of time that game has survived with some of its original fan base yeah. is insane. Considering that it's been free to play pretty much from the get go, mm -hmm. and it's only improved and it's only added more content. Um, yeah, games like w without games like Warframe, we wouldn't have a lot of the stuff that we have right now that we That's really like. Games like Hades, games like Dead Cells, games like Risk of Rain. Uh, a, a lot of that comes from not like the free to play model, but like the actual mechanical model of Warframe mm -hmm. and like the core gameplay loop. And yeah, it's it's an amazing game, and they're always doing really cool shit like that. So yeah, mm -hmm. ups to them. I wish I liked that game. I like I love it when we have like positive game developer news to mm -hmm. talk about. Like I want more of that in my life. Yeah, yeah. Warframe developer. This 
this point. I have only remember good things about them. Mm-hmm. I only think about good things about their game. Mm-hmm. It's again, I wish I could play. Mm-hmm. I just don't hit the third person aspect to it, but sure. I didn't think about how much influenced the other games. Thank mm-hmm. you, Hector. That was oh, yeah. really cool. I, did, I didn't think about the other, other aspect. I was thinking about the microtransactions, how the other oh, games yeah. influenced that and how it's actually been kind of better because... This company, I can't remember which is the pair. Uh, don't um, have the company in front of me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Either way, uh, the Warframe's developer is like mm-hmm. the nicest with their microtransactions mm-hmm. out of any company that has to have them. Right. Like I said, free to play game. I love that they all the support they get is directly from their fans, mm-hmm. and now that they're giving back. Yeah, they're just, they want to give back so, to the community. They're like, we're going to put on a free convention, and if you want to buy, fans a already give back whenever they do convention stuff. I mean, that's. Yeah. What, it's it's yeah. just great. I love it whenever the video game industry does good things. Yeah, <laughs> let's do that more. Yeah, so maybe this is a good time to talk about the yearly games developer conference survey that got released. So mm. the results from this survey are in, mm. and I want to cover a little bit of what was said. All right. Some of this is going to be obvious. Some of this is going to be interesting to talk about. Um, 44% of developers said that their game suffered a delay due to the pandemic. Mm. Feels, Makes sense. feels obvious. Very obvious. Very obvious. That's kind of everything suffered a delay because of the pandemic and or a boat. Yep. Um, (laughs) Out of people polled of studios growing during the pandemic, as in they were bringing on more staff, Mm -hmm. uh, 47% of them expanded their staff. uh, 34 remain the same. Okay. So no no increase in the job market during the pandemic, really, but. At least people fucking got Stagnant's to keep their jobs. better than down. Yeah. Yeah, the great thing about making a video game is you can do it at home. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, only 3% of people that were polled think that the 70-30 revenue share model on digital storefronts is justified. So let's kind of explain what this is for our listeners who may not understand. Yeah. If you put your game on something like Steam, you get 70% of the revenue that is generated from that, and mm-hmm. Steam gets 30%. Correct. Only 3 3% of game developers mm-hmm. think that that's a fair model. Yeah. I wonder, um, I mean, I don't think that had anything to do with Microsoft's recent change. We're going to talk about that. In no, because that, that news came out today. We're going to yeah, talk about it. I don't think it infected. Right. Yeah, this conversation goes back to the Epic Store, and mm-hmm. like, because that was its opening salvo, was yeah. like, hey, we'll charge you a lot less to put your game on our store. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Tony makes a good point. Let's go ahead and just jump into it. It was a big news week for Microsoft. Mm-hmm. First, they announced that Halo Infinite will support uh, multiplayer cross-play and cross-progression when it's released. But the bigger news is that Microsoft is actually changing their storefront for game developers. Uh, before their revenue sharing model was the industry standard of the 70-30, um, but it was announced that they're actually going to be changing their model to a 88-12 split. Mm-hmm. I'm all for that. I mean, Not anytime bad. you give the developers more money, mm-hmm. um, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I think there's but, something... No, that, I think that's I think, great, I think but did they do that? I don't, think it came, I don't think it came because of these... Because of the, the survey, because of the survey, they were already planning all of this. Right? On the yeah. Back no, of they're Epic they're, they're absolutely and... doing a lot to make their store look better to uh, to, to, to developers. They want mm-hmm. more more things because I mean, right that's, now every that's time not they they're do... going to have to buy them. Yeah, and every time they do an indie <laughs> showcase, they usually show a lot of games that people have had on Steam for a while already. Mm-hmm. Whereas when indie does when, when Sony does an indie showcase, it's usually like, what's that? What's that? What's that? Those all look really interesting. And it's because when Sony does an indie thing, they're like, my. 
Right. <laughs> you go here now. No one gets to know about you. But this is so important for us to be having this conversation that you know Microsoft is willing to uh, bring in, uh, give developers more mm-hmm. of the revenue uh, from the games that they put the time and effort into making, and they're mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, look, we're just a storefront." But this also, we've been talking for a while about the moves that Microsoft's been making in the marketplace, the mm-hmm. um, the rise of Game Pass and what that means for developers, um, the not as talked about xCloud that will probably mm-hmm. integrate at some point into Game Pass. For sure. Um, that is all speculation on my part, but um, Microsoft is making power moves. Mm-hmm. They want their storefront to be a go-to place for you to buy games on PC. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those power plays. They're saying, we will give developers more money if you just come and drop your stuff here. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be so important going forward. Mm-hmm. Um as the battle seems to be happening on the back end of like, who's going to be the next steam, right? We have, mm-hmm. is it going to be Microsoft in their storefront? Is it going to be Epic in their storefront? And people go, well, I don't want to be on Epic because they have really horrible security. And, right. you know, there's all these little factors that we have to consider. Lots um, of reasons to not we we talk so much about how, you know, the modern console war is happening right now. And it's, you know, Xbox versus, you know, Sony. And, mm-hmm. but the battle, the real battles are being fought in the ways that we don't talk about things mm. like storefronts, things right. like game pass, things like PlayStation. Now, mm. these are the things that they're really going in the back in, in the background and trying to become number one at, at, at having. Mm. Um, we just don't talk about those things because there's not giant uh, revelations that are made about these things. Right. These are incremental updates that get pushed out here and there. And then somebody goes, Hey, you know, PlayStation now is actually much better than it used to be a year ago. You should maybe try it out. Oh crap. Maybe I should get game pass because it is actually worth a value to me. Mm-hmm. Um, consoles as we know, are just selling out left and right. Yeah. And can't get one. it's, it's, you can't even say like, well, this console is doing better than this console. Cause half the people can't fucking get a console to try it out. Yep. But all these other services that they're offering, that are just things like the um, Game Pass uh, offerings or the PlayStation Now offerings, or even when we talk about things like these storefronts, right? The Microsoft giving developers this extra cut is so vitally important into driving developers to want to release on their product. Mm -hmm. And maybe, just maybe because Microsoft has such a good deal, sometimes Microsoft can say, hey, will you drop with us first? Mm -hmm. Um. You know what I see going down the line is I see uh, kind of a lot of what's happening with Netflix right now. I always it, it's so easy to compare Steam to Netflix when it comes to distribution of things because when you put your game on Steam, you can pretty much guaranteed even if you haven't localized your game that your game can be available in every market on the planet yes. just like that instantly. Um, some things are less prevalent prevalent in other places. Some some things don't have the right to sell games in other places. But what you have in the United States is you have stuff that's on Netflix in other countries that you don't have here. Mm-hmm. Steam could end up being the same way. Is if I'm going to sell this in the United States, maybe I don't put it on Steam, or maybe I put it on Steam and Game Pass, which I make more money from, but maybe sell fewer copies. Still worth going on there for the little extra cash, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. I could see. As long like, as you don't get to region yeah, the, rights where yeah. it's the, oh, it'll be on the Epic store over here. It'll mm-hmm. be on this store over here. Right. And see, that's kind of what I'm afraid of. Yeah. 
um, it, for a lot of things. But uh, all in all, I don't know. I don't know how much Steam, how much money Steam needs to be able to deliver your game to the entire world instantly and have it download cleanly and quickly. And right. We don't. We don't. We don't have the stuff. metrics for what the cost of yeah. bandwidth is. I have no idea. I, if Microsoft but, but, can do it for twelve percent, right? Here's 30, the problem: is that cool. Steam set the industry standard. They said yeah. it's a seventy. It's a seventy thirty model, and mm-hmm. that's what you're going to pay. And everybody went. Apple Store went. Okay. 7030 model works and everybody just went uh, the 7030 model and then Epic came in was a disruptor and said you know hey we can actually do it for like 15% or something and mm-hmm. now Microsoft's coming in and they're you know got their 8812 split yep. which I'm all for more money going to the developers. Yeah. Obviously, they're the, the ones that... Games, they, they, like, well, they, do it for free, guys. Come right. the fuck on already. We literally <laughs> patch your old games for you that none of you play. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, that's the thing about it is that... It, it's we know the game the games industry is obviously a business and at the end of the day everybody's in it to make money mm-hmm. as much as we have fun with it as much as we want to say that it's art it is a business and it needs to be a business mm-hmm. but i prefer more of my money going into the pockets of the developers than the guy that i borrowed some bandwidth from to get the damn thing yep and if that's what microsoft's doing then this is a power play on microsoft's part to get more developers into their store and i think it's going to pay off speaking so. of that's actually going to be affecting uh, humble bundles mm-hmm. now because that's dropping to 15% maximum going to charity, mm-hmm. I believe. Which, I mean, I always just switched it literally all to charity. Yes. Yeah. Kind of a dick. Sorry, developers. But um, I well, just I mean, felt like charity. it. But, but, yeah. But it's like, I'm going to buy the game and I'm giving it to charity. Games, yeah. And because especially if it was by a game through like EA or somebody, I'm like, and eh, fuck you, you're not getting any of this. Mm-hmm. Now, knowing that the developer is getting that in some cases feels great. and But in certain cases, I'm be like, right. no, I don't want to give you money. Yeah. For this. Like if it's super giant <laughs> games, I'm like, yes, please have a yeah. tip for this game. Right. But if it, yeah, if it's like you know EA's Rogue Squad, and it's like, can I pay you less for this game? Honestly, <laughs> I don't know. Rogue Squad is an amazing game, and she yeah, paid a lot for it. Yes, it's, yes, it is an amazing game. But I know how much is going to the people who made the game, and how much is going to everyone else. <laughs> yeah, so that's I'm that like CEO eh. money that we're throwing at them, not pay the employees right? money. That's what Humble Bundle <laughs> should do. They should be like, okay, guys, so this game's coming out. You can buy it from EA or you can buy it from us and all proceeds go directly to the, the 47 the developers. developers. Who, they're getting a <laughs> split in share. The they get a split share from this. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'd buy all my games. All right, so finally, uh, our last bit of news for the week is that the production company behind The Witcher and The Expanse a writer that worked on The Punisher and the showrunner for the show Shadow and Bone have all been tapped to bring the RPG series The World of Darkness to both movies and television. We don't know which RPG books they'll be working from for their source material, but I don't know. This sounds cool as hell. This is like a machine work games license. Do they just have like all of... All of they the have dark. carte blanche of the world of darkness. Yeah, the, wow. right, so the the company that owns World of Darkness, I don't have it in Paradox. front of me. Paradox um, has been they give out their license mm. to basically anybody. It's like war, it's like owning Warhammer. It's like yeah, yeah. you can do future, they're, you can do they're past, a little you can more do restrictive than Games Workshop. Games Workshop will just give their license to anybody. Mm. Yeah, the world of world darkness has is weird because that. I mean, mm-hmm. also most of the stuff in the world of darkness doesn't fucking come out. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets thrown into nothingness, which yeah. is what I was worried about when I first started reading about this because mm-hmm. so many times we've had this this world of darkness movies or. TV shows or video game or mm-hmm. what the fuck ever thing that they're trying to come up with this time yeah. mm-hmm. doesn't ever come to fruition. Well, the people behind this, on the other hand, make things come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a very good track record of taking things that haven't aren't the greatest properties and making mm-hmm. it to shit that people love and 
weirdly, all of them actually have a background playing or running World of Darkness games. If I had an interesting TV show doing, like, the masquerade, I think it would be fucking boss. I think a lot of people would get into it. We haven't had a cool, sexy vampire show in a really long time. True Blood's about to come back out. I mean, fuck, it better. I mean, literally, it's like, (laughs) I think, the summer. No, I mean, I I do feel like Vampire the Masquerade is the easiest in air quotes to tap and mm-hmm. make a successful show and or yeah, sexy I, I, people I, think, I think I think it works better as a, as a, as a TV show mm-hmm. there's a lot of politics in Vampire the Masquerade and that's more lends itself to a long form Game of Thrones style show honestly which is what I would look forward to if I'm gonna make a fucking to. TV show I am not limiting it to this is gonna be the vampire thing because if you're gonna do sexy fucking vampires I'm gonna have some sexy fucking werewolves that are jumping through different realities <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna literally do the world of darkness right. and well, go you, season 2 and 3 and 4 <laughs> you know we, we can get there but, oh, I, no, but, but there are you got to have that integrated. World there's some from the properties that the World of Darkness gotta, has that lend themselves better to movies. Like mm-hmm. I feel like Changeling: The Dreaming would be an amazing mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. And um, they have they can make whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, Wraith the Oblivion, this. solid. That's a horror, like deep, deep cut horror. Mm-hmm. That's Honestly, if they made, I wish people would do more comics for Wraith the Oblivion. I think that would be more interesting. Let's get rid of Demon the Fall and that shit was fucking dumb. I don't think that that's a thing anymore. Yeah, I, in the new stuff, I'm yeah. just going that, through the history of them. Like yeah. Changeling has been like four different things and mm-hmm. that depends on the director of what, because it's literally, what's your imagination? That's the game. I think Mage works so, Mage works really well as a movie because it's it's very much just about like manipulating reality and like the repercussions of that. Well, and there's two different versions of how Mage works. There's yeah. the one where reality itself it, um fixes itself and there's the one where it just needs to be coerced and moved along like a you river. You massage it like yeah. A, yeah. Like one a is more like if you try dough. to turn this table into a snake um the universe will slap you. you and then the other one is, oh, cool. As long as nobody's in the room, that's totally doable. Yeah. Mm. So there's yeah. there's some really cool rule sets and things that they can Anyone do with it. But best. I'm looking forward yeah. to this because obviously the people who bring The Witcher and The Expanse to the big screen, um, I love those properties. Yeah, they, they, they fucking know what they're doing when it comes to TV. That's for sure. Yep. And there's they a lot shit. of abstract concepts in the world of darkness. And honestly, if I had read The Expanse before I had seen the show, I'd be like, I don't know how the fuck you're going to put that on a TV. Like, mm-hmm. that's going to be expensive. Yeah. As the production company behind this, that's what really got me excited and said, oh, this is actually happening because it wasn't until they were on board and we're like, oh, we're, this is the next thing we're working on. We yeah. were wrapping up the expanse. We're now working on the world of darkness. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's literally, this is their kind of announcement to what the next thing is going to be from them. It's going to take a couple of years to get there, mm-hmm. but Expanse is almost done. Yeah, so. <laughs> considering the way that they adapted it into something, and Witcher's like, doing its own, so faithful to the property, and mm-hmm. this is for both The Witcher and The Expanse. Something so faithful to the property, but something that worked so well on the screen rather than the page yeah. or the game. Yeah. Yeah, World of Darkness all the way. I will be blown away if Vampire isn't the first thing that's announced. Yeah, it, it is it the, would most be popular. the most popular. It'd be the best entry point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm just excited to see what they're gonna do with. The whole thing, like, yeah. are they going to stick with the same naming thing, or are they going to do just a show called like World of Darkness? Look, all I'm saying is that gonna, anything was are we better. Get comic books and mm-hmm. video games out of this from I mean, a different. W- w- what we have is we have a series of adults ready to go watch, you know, Thor: Love and Thunder. We're old enough. 
we're, we're nerdy enough in our old age to go like, yeah, I mean, I don't care what you call a vampire. You can call it a shadowling, a changeling. You can call that guy a mage. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Tell me what the story is. Show me the stuff. I feel like, you know, 10, 20 years ago, all of the adults would have been like, this is weird. But, you know. I mean, to be fair, they did make a Vampire the Masquerade TV show, but Aaron Spelling produced it. And it was basically 90210 with vampires. Yeah. It that, was not good. That sounds truly bad. It was really bad. It was made in the mid-90s. Yeah. I feel worse for knowing that exists. Yeah. yeah. And yet I've watched the entire first season because there's I only feel, one season. Oh, Lord. Several feel, times. I'll feel worse because Aaron Spelling exists. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That is everything that we have for the news this week. We are going to take a small break. and When we come back, we'll be going into our main topic in the boss room. Weekly Raid. Hey, adventurers, welcome back to the show. This is the Weekly Raid, your news roundup for the week. There's a lot of great news to cover this week, so let's jump right in. We previously mentioned that the E3 demo of the unreleased Castlevania Resurrection had surfaced, and if this kind of thing is your jam, then you're in luck, because that prototype is now online. You can download it and play it in an emulator, um, or thanks to the fan site Sega Dreamcast Info, they have information on what you need to do to download the ISO and burn it to a disc so you can actually just play it on your Dreamcast. Wow. That's awesome. I am probably going to dust off my Dreamcast at some point. Yeah, here holy shit. I mean, that's, that's New Castlevania, I guess. Right, that's the closest we're getting to New <laughs> Castlevania forever. For, don't, forever. Don't give me any promises like, oh, well, you know, Konami's coming to E3. Like, I don't trust them. You know what? If Konami goes to E3 and does anything other than we're going to give all of our IP to like the <laughs> Capcom. We're going to put all of, our, all of our IP in a pit. Y'all fight. <laughs> oh my God, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I could see like Respawn and like Capcom <laughs> right? at the very end of this <laughs> and like BioWare's on the side, like cheering them on. Yeah. They're just, they're just like, all right, I'll take this one. You take that. One. <laughs> right. right. Let's go. Uh, let's see here. Oh, we had uh, heard that there was going to be a John Wick show called The Continental. Yeah. But we didn't know what it was going to be about. So as of this week, it was announced that the Continental will be, quote, set in a crumbling New York in the 1970s and be an origin for the hotel and for its manager, Winston. Nice. The Continental Season 1 will consist of three 90-minute episodes. Ooh, okay, BBC style. Yep, which I'm all for. I love that. I love your, like, condensed story. It's, it's easy to yeah, digest. I'm just getting, like, three three movies, essentially. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, like like a season of Sherlock Holmes, basically. Yep. I'm a season of not John Wick. Yeah. Yeah. It'll I'm, be cool, because, like, uh, honestly... Night, let me see. Shitty 1970s New York. I've watched so many things about shitty 1970s New York. I will watch, but happily now, watch but now another with one. Na- yeah, but now with equal amounts of murders, all the other <laughs> shitty 70s New York things I watch. Well, that just means there's an excuse for the violence in this one. True. It isn't just like crimes happen in New York. It's like, but we also have assassins. Yeah. 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 It, it, I mean, last time we had Jokers, so. I can't wait for like the end of the Continental season three to be like modern day. And it's just like. So we're the reason that the New York streets got cleaned up. No. It was the assassins. Like we literally had assassins and they took everybody out. And that's why New it York wasn't gentrification. <laughs> it wasn't any of that. Someone, Anything else about. Yeah. Okay. Looking Winston at the Continental. Like, can we get a fucking Disney store across the street? <laughs> the goddamn heroin den needs to go. I don't have to, it's a nice hotel, guys. It's a nice hotel. <laughs> 
DC has announced they're launching a new horror imprint simply called DC Horror. The first title that they're going to be releasing will be a five-issue series called The Conjuring, The Lover, and it's going to be released on June 1st. Hmm. This comic will serve as a prelude to the third film in the franchise, which has not been released yet. Ooh. I don't know. I, I, anytime okay. that, that, that horror comics comes up, my, my little EC heart beats mm-hmm. and grows five more sizes. Um, obviously, Joe Hill just got his imprint, um, yeah. the Hill House comics. Um, but I've heard nothing but rave reviews about those. Um, hearing DC entering the market, I'm excited for that. I think it's interesting that they went with a known property for their first one. Mm-hmm. I don't really think this is them making really a horror imprint. I think this is them making a specific imprint that they're labeling as a horror imprint for doing conjuring movie stuff mm. that they can then fuck with whatever they want to do conjuring slash Superman fiction. Yeah. I mean, it, that way they can do that bullshit. I can, I can see that kind of keep BS it happening. separate and keep the titles two different things. I just feel what, like there's, the, yeah, I just ahead. feel like there's an opportunity here where, you know, we have like Constantine who's been like getting his own comics for a yeah. while, mm-hmm. but they've been okay. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you have a horror imprint, you'd be like, Hey, let's put Constantine in the horror imprint and not, oh, not in the conjuring universe. Just fucking put Constantine like vertigo style yeah. in his own comic where it could be like, you know, just an, let adult, him do shit. an adult rated comic where he can smoke and bang dudes. Cause that's what Constantine does. Yep. Like, Oh, did he banged King shark that one time. <laughs> yeah. Like let him, let him bang King whatever. shark again. Bang Sarah Lance. He banged whoever he wants. <laughs> right. Just let, just let Constantine bang people is all mm-hmm. I'm saying. Put him in the horror comics, make them actually about horror, and let him bang things. Yeah. But, I mean, he needs to bang things. His life is fucking tragic. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's horrible. I would never want to be Constantine. <laughs> but he did get to bang King Shark, which yeah. props to him. I mean, hell. I mean, if he lets you. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but horror comics, seriously, we need more of these. I'm going to go out and actually pick up some of the Hill House comics. Um, I, I actually probably will pick up these Conjuring comics just because I want to see what the quality of DC horror will be. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that it is a little bit more adult-leaning um, and not just kind of like, hey, we slapped a movie license on it. It'll yeah, have a little bit of blood. I want to be the horror movie license section where DC does dumb things. Like, oh, right. Like, yeah, just, We're probably all thinking annoying. about, like, you know, all the times in the past when, like, you know, the hand that rocks the cradle, like, crossed over with an RT comic for an issue, and it's super lame or some right. shit like that, you know. The, the, the shit that used to happen in the 90s and 80s, and the, I, I yeah. hope this isn't that. I mean, they, well, did, they did make Archie versus Predator. Yeah, but that was awesome. Yeah, that is but true. What is the, what's the bad thing in the conjuring is it a house is it a ghost uh, each story is different it. okay the conjuring follows this couple that's in real life went around and collected ghosts things but the thing is okay, so what type of movie is this is this a found footage in the house type of movie oh, no, no 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 it's, it's straight okay. up just, just these, straight are, up these are weird um ghosts haunted. Yeah, yeah shit's haunted, shit's haunted, shit's haunted. okay yeah. sometimes yeah, it's Superman a chair can't fight that. sometimes <laughs> yeah. it's a doll sometimes be a toaster just <laughs> a possession and it's, yeah, it's, I, I really love the world that they've created. It's just, you know, full of bullshit because it's all this religious crap that they keep throwing at it. Oh, yeah. I mean, but what else? How do, how I else love do you the do rest ghosts? of mythology. I mean, <laughs> literally, you could make anything mythology. else up aside from, you know, Jesus. You could, but like, you know, yeah, I could, you could make anything up, but I don't know. It's just lazy like, writing to me whenever they just go with Jesus made it happen. Well, there's this like thing where the, the zeitgeist thinks ghosts in possession, they think religious stuff. Yeah. Right. For instance, if I made a movie where where a werewolf 
uh, a werewolf movie where his origin is he came out of a swamp, everyone would be very confused. Mm-hmm. If I made a movie about ghosts and it was like, where'd the ghosts come from? Oh, the science machine made them. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone would be real confused. I think that's it's a like, great why, why did the science machine make ghosts? Fuck that. No, dude, start telling some crazy fucking weird ass sci-fi with that shit. Or just cool. start create, creating up with your own things. Stop relying on the regular bullshit thing that everybody, it's like, oh, we've got to do the... Mm-hmm because of this but look at what types of stories we're telling through anime and going through other religious aspects to tell ghosts and shit through true like there are other ways to do this that aren't the same true, hand but, job to fucking the right but, church. but writers <laughs> but writers write what they know but, and you what know, they, they do reference they just keep that. fucking they they're helping they're they're supporting and emphasizing people's beliefs in mm. something that is obviously not real mm which I think is a problem. And that's one of the reasons why I do not like religious reasons for my horror. That's fair. He, yeah. He, Tony stays away from the religious horror. I, for one love a lot of that. I love possession films, mm-hmm. exorcism films that I eat that shit up, but Tony doesn't. And that's understandable. And that is his opinion. Why, why about did it. you have to like pray away? This person's schizophrenia. Right. We, we, Obviously this person has mental health issues and you're just blaming on Jesus. Because, yeah. That's real good reason to watch a fucking movie. The reason yeah. Tony is because God is protecting this particular person in this particular All right, place. This is not a religious time. discussion. We need to avoid that kind of talk here on the panel, please. Um, also in horror news this week, Lionsgate is currently developing an American psycho television show and could down the road potentially develop a series based on the Saw franchise. This is because they don't want to lose the rights to shit, so they're putting it into a production thing. It's literally never going to see the light of day. Yeah. The well, Saw we, one, we, maybe. We, so, no, well, the thing is, they, they confirmed have... American Psycho. They have not confirmed Saw. Mm. Well, don't we have Spiral already? Spiral so, yeah. will be coming out in uh, another week. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, so, so we have a, a continuation. But, but well, let's that's the the obvious question here: Why American Psycho is a TV show? Looking forward. To, yeah, like, like okay, yeah, why? Yeah. So, to, so yeah, Stall. yeah. Saw stuff on the table. I'm looking forward to the saw stuff. That American Psycho. I think when you first told me about this, my immediate response was, I don't understand why people like that movie. Right. I don't understand why people like American Psycho. I've never understood it. I know a lot of people who really enjoyed it when they saw it. Maybe they thought it was a different type of horror movie or something like that. Yeah. I was never scared. I was mostly annoyed and uncomfortable. And while there is a time and a place for a movie like that, I... When I look at Christian Bale, I don't want to be, like, turned off. Like, who wants that? Yeah, but I, I, I think that American Much Psycho's... Like breaking from- down... It's meant to show a specific time and place and personal aspect. Like it really mm-hmm. does grasp this one person's breakdown. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason why to watch it. It's watching purely just Christian Bale Descent- losing his fucking yeah, mind descent- descent- right. madness. Mm-hmm. during all of this other crazy, like the 1980s bullshit. You have to understand right. that the world that the writer wrote it into is... The, bull, the the crazy cocaine fueled yeah, it's Wolf, of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street yeah, bullshit. Right. You're like, okay, that's the setting that you but, have to. But do I want a series made out of that? I don't think so. Yeah, I think I no. got it. Yeah, in I the don't movie. understand. Because the sequel movie that it was bad. wasn't that fun. It was bad. Ooh. Wasn't it like a Starship Troopers it was super level sequel? Bad. Oh, it was, it was no, it was. Um, it's because the book has a sequel. Oh, and it follows Jason's little brother going into his I think freshman year or something. It's one of the years mm. in college. What was his and daughter? Pretty sure it's his brother. 
Either way, do okay. they go crazy too? Is that the plot of that, the sequel? I can't remember. I went to that movie for my yeah, birthday, bad. and yeah, that was a really bad just birthday overall. That's that movie did not make it better. Make it better. I'm glad yeah. I don't remember most of it at this point. Okay. Well, let's move on from that. Um, the game Warframe is going to be having a free digital convention on July 17th to celebrate the upcoming announcements for the title. Mm. Uh, now, however, it is free, but there are three types of digital tickets that if you purchase them, will give you access to a bunch of stuff in game uh, there's also physical swag that you can buy like t-shirts and whatnot but the reason that i bring this up is not because hey everybody's playing warframe um the proceeds from all these packages that you purchase to go to this convention will go towards the unity uh, project i'm sorry unity project for relief of homelessness cool so this is not just hey come buy our virtual ticket we're gonna make the company a bunch of money they're like if you're willing to put in money and you'll get some Cool in-game shit, but also it's all going to a good cause. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I yeah. like Warframe. Let's do that. Warframe already does the is the uh, was the best free-to-play game model, mm -hmm. and everybody's kind of had to steal bits and pieces of it mm -hmm. to, to kind of get their games to equal to be yeah kind of free-to-play-ish. The yeah. amount of time that game has survived with some of its original fan base yeah. is insane considering that it's been free to play pretty much from the get-go mm -hmm. and it's only improved and it's only added more content um yeah games like w without games like warframe we wouldn't have a lot of the stuff that we have right now that we That's really sure. like games like hades games like dead cells games like risk of rain uh, a, a lot of that comes from not like the free-to-play model but like the actual mechanical model of warframe mm -hmm. and like the core gameplay loop and yeah it's it's an amazing game and they're always doing really cool shit like that so yeah mm -hmm. ups to them i wish i liked that game i, li I love it when we have like positive game developer news to mm -hmm. talk about like i want more of that in my life yeah, yeah. warframe developer this point i have only remember good things about them mm -hmm. i only think about good things about their game mm -hmm. it's again i wish i could play mm -hmm. i just don't like the third person aspect too but sure. i didn't think about how much influenced the other games thank mm -hmm. you hector that's oh, really yeah. cool. I, did, I didn't think about the other, other aspect i was thinking about the microtransactions how the other oh, games yeah. influenced that and how it's actually been kind of better because this company i can't remember which is the pair uh, don't um, have the company in front of me i'm sorry yeah either way uh, the warframes developer is like mm -hmm. the nicest with their microtransactions mm -hmm. out of any company that has to have them right like is it free to play game i love that the all the support they get is directly from their fans mm -hmm. and now that they're giving back yeah they're just, they want to give back so, to the community they're like we're going to put on a free convention and if you want to buy a already give back whenever they do convention stuff i mean that's yeah. what it's, it's yeah. just great. I love it whenever the video game industry does good things. Yeah, <laughs> let's do that more. Yeah, so maybe this is a good time to talk about the yearly games developer conference survey that got released. So mm. the results from this survey are in, mm. and I want to cover a little bit of what was said. All right. Some of this is going to be obvious. Some of this is going to be interesting to talk about. 44% um, of developers said that their game suffered a delay due to the pandemic. Mm. Feels, Makes sense. Feels obvious. Very obvious. Very obvious. That's kind Everything of Everything suffered a delay because of the pandemic and or a boat. Yep. Um, <laughs> out of people polled, uh, studios growing during the pandemic, as in they were bringing on more staff, 47% mm -hmm. uh, of them expanded their staff. Uh, 34 remained the same. Okay. So no, no increase in the job market during right. the pandemic, really, but. At least people fucking got Stagnant's to keep their jobs. better than down. Yeah. Yeah, the true. great thing about making a video game is you can do it at home. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, only 3% of people that were polled think that the 70-30 revenue share model on digital storefronts is justified. 
So let's kind of explain what this is for our listeners who may not understand. Yep. If you put your game on something like Steam, you get 70% of the revenue that is generated from that, and mm-hmm. Steam gets 30%. Correct. Only 3% of game developers mm-hmm. think that that's a fair model. Yeah. I wonder, um, I mean, I don't think that had anything to do with Microsoft's recent change. We're going to talk about that. In no, because that, that news came out today. We're going to yeah, talk about it. I don't think it infected. Right. Yeah, this conversation goes back to the Epic Store, and mm-hmm. like, because that was its opening salvo, was yeah. like, hey, we'll charge you a lot less to put your game on our store. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Tony makes a good point. Let's go ahead and just jump into it. It was a big news week for Microsoft. Mm-hmm. First, they announced that Halo Infinite will support uh, multiplayer cross-play and cross-progression when it's released. But the bigger news is that Microsoft is actually changing their storefront for game developers. Uh, before their revenue sharing model was the industry standard of the 70-30, um, but it was announced that they're actually going to be changing their model to a 88-12 split. Mm-hmm. I'm all for that. I mean, anytime bad. you give the developers more money, mm-hmm. um, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I think there's but something... That, I think that's I think great, that, I think but did they do that? I don't, think it came, I don't think it came because of these... Because of the, the survey? Because of the survey. They were already planning all of this. Right. On the yeah, back no, of they're, they're, they're absolutely and... doing a lot to make their store look better to uh, to, to, to developers. They want mm-hmm. more more things because, I mean, right that's, now, every that's time they do... That's they're going to have to buy them. Yeah, and every time they do an indie <laughs> showcase, they usually show a lot of games that people have had on Steam for a while already, mm-hmm. whereas when, indie do, when, when Sony does an indie showcase, it's usually like, what's that? What's that? What's that? Those all look really interesting. And it's because when Sony does an indie thing, they're like, my. Right. You go here now. No one gets to know about you. But this is so important for us to be having this conversation that you know Microsoft is willing to uh, bring in, uh, give developers more mm-hmm. of the revenue uh, from the games that they put the time and effort into making, and they mm-hmm. say, "Hey, look, we're just a storefront." But this also, we've been talking for a while about the moves that Microsoft's been making in the marketplace, the mm-hmm. um, the rise of Game Pass and what that means for developers, um, the not as talked about X cloud that will probably integrate at some point into game pass. For sure. Um, that is all speculation on my part, but um, Microsoft is making power moves. Mm-hmm. They want their storefront to be a go-to place for you to buy games on PC. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those power plays. They're saying we will give developers more money if you just come and drop your stuff here. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be so important going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, as the battle seems to be happening on the back end of like, who's going to be the next steam, right? We have, mm-hmm. is it going to be Microsoft in their storefront? Is it going to be Epic in their storefront? And people go, well, I don't want to be on Epic because they have really horrible security. And, right. you know, there's all these little factors that we have to consider. Lots um, of reasons to we we talk so much about how, you know, the modern console war is happening right now. And it's, you know, Xbox versus, you know, Sony. And, mm-hmm. but the battle, the real battles are being fought in the ways that we don't talk about mm-hmm. things like storefronts, things right. like game pass, things like PlayStation. Now, mm-hmm. these are the things that they're really going in the back in, in the background and trying to become number one at, at, at having. Mm-hmm. Um, we just don't talk about those things because there's not giant uh, revelations that are made about these things. Right. These are incremental updates that, that get pushed out here and there. And then somebody goes, Hey, you know, PlayStation now is actually much better than it used to be a year ago. You should maybe try it out. Oh crap. Maybe I should get game pass because it is actually worth a value to me. Mm-hmm. Um, consoles, as we know, are just selling out left and right. Yeah. And can't get one. it's, it's, you can't even say like, well, this console is doing better than this console. Cause half the people can't fucking get a console to try it out. Yep. But all these other services that they're offering, that are just things like the um, Game Pass uh, offerings or the PlayStation Now offerings, or even when we talk about things like these storefronts, right? 
the Microsoft giving developers this extra cut is so vitally important into driving developers to want to release on their product. Mm -hmm. And maybe, just maybe because Microsoft has such a good deal, sometimes Microsoft can say, hey, will you drop with us first? And mm -hmm. um, you know what I see going down the line is I see uh, kind of a lot of what's happening with Netflix right now. I always, it, it's so easy to compare Steam to Netflix when it comes to distribution of things. Because when you put your game on Steam, you can pretty much guarantee, even if you haven't localized your game, that your game can be available in every market on the planet. Yes. Just like that, instantly. Um, some things are less, less prevalent in other places. Some some things don't have the rights to sell games in other places. But what you have in the United States is you have stuff that's on Netflix in other countries that you don't have here. Mm -hmm. Steam could end up being the same way. Is if I'm going to sell this in the United States, maybe I don't put it on Steam. Or maybe I put it on Steam and Game Pass, which I make more money from, but maybe sell fewer copies. Still worth going on there for the little extra cash, mm -hmm. so on and so forth. I could see... As long like, as you don't get to region yeah, the, rights where yeah. it's the, oh, it'll be on the Epic store over here. It'll mm -hmm. be on this store over here. Right. And see, that's kind of what I'm afraid of yeah. um, it, for a lot of things. But uh, all in all, I don't know. I don't know how much Steam, how much money Steam needs to be able to deliver your game to the entire world instantly and have it download cleanly and quickly. And right. We don't, we don't have itself. the metrics for what the cost of yeah. bandwidth is. I have no idea. I, if Microsoft but, but, can do it for 12% right, versus 30 Here's the problem is that cool. Steam set the industry standard. They said yeah. it's a 70-30 it's a 70 model and mm -hmm. that's what you're going to pay. And everybody went, Apple Store went, okay, 70-30 yeah. model works. And everybody just went, oh, the 70-30 model. And then Epic came in, was a disruptor, and said you know, hey, we can actually do it for like 15% or something. And now mm -hmm. Microsoft's coming in and they're, you know, got their 88-12 split, yep. which I'm all for more money going to the developers. Yeah. Obviously, they're the, the ones that... Games they, they're like, well, they, do it for free, guys. Come <laughs> right. the fuck on already. Just, just we literally <laughs> patch your old games for you that none of you play. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, that's the thing about it is that... It, it's we know the game the games industry is obviously a business and at the end of the day everybody's in it to make money mm -hmm. as much as we have fun with it as much as we want to say that it's art it is a business and it needs to be a business mm -hmm. but i prefer more of my money going into the pockets of the developers than the guy that i borrowed some bandwidth from to get the damn thing yep. and if that's what microsoft's doing then this is a power play on microsoft's part to get more developers into their store and i think it's going to pay off speaking so. of that's actually going to be affecting uh, humble bundles mm -hmm. now because that's dropping to 15% maximum going to charity, mm -hmm. I believe. Which, I mean, I always just switched it literally all to charity. Yes. Yeah. Kind of a dick. Sorry, developers. But um, I but just I mean, felt like charity. it. But, but, yeah. But I was like, I'm going to buy this game and I'm giving it to charity. Games, yeah. And cause especially if it was by a game through like EA or somebody, I'm like, eh, fuck you. You're not getting any of this. Mm -hmm. Now, knowing that the developer is getting that in some cases feels great. and But in certain cases, I'm going to be like, right. no, I don't want to give you money. Yeah. For like if it's super giant <laughs> games, I'm like, yes, please have a yeah. tip for this game. Right. But if it, yeah, if it's like you know EA's Rogue Squad, and it's like, can I pay you less for this game? Honestly, <laughs> I don't know. Rogue Squad is an amazing game, and she yeah, paid a lot for it. Yes, it's, yes, it is an amazing game. But I know how much is going to the people who made the game, and how much is going to everyone else. <laughs> yeah, so that's, I'm that's like, CEO uh, money that we're throwing at them, not 
pay the employees right? money. Right. That's what Humble Bundle <laughs> should do. They should be like, okay, guys, so this game's coming out. You can buy it from EA or you can buy it from us, and all proceeds <laughs> go directly to the, the, the 47 the developers. developers. Who, they're getting a <laughs> split in share. The they get Humble a split Bundle. share from this. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'd buy all my games. Through all Humble right. Bundle. So finally, uh, our last bit of news for the week is that the production company behind The Witcher and The Expanse a writer that worked on The Punisher and the showrunner for the show Shadow and Bone have all been tapped to bring the RPG series The World of Darkness to both movies and television. We don't know which RPG books they'll be working from for their source material, but I don't know. This sounds cool as hell. It's like a machine work games license. Do they just have like all of... All of they the have dark. carte blanche of the world of darkness. Yeah, the, wow. all right, so the the company that owns World of Darkness, I don't have it in front Paradox. of me. Paradox um, has been they give out their license mm. to basically anybody. It's like war, it's like owning Warhammer. It's like yeah, yeah. you can do future, they're, you can do they're past, a little you can more do restrictive than Games Workshop. Games Workshop will just give their license to anybody. Mm. Yeah, the world of world darkness is weird because that. I mean, mm-hmm. also most of the stuff in the world of darkness doesn't fucking come out. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets thrown into nothingness, which yeah. is what I was worried about when I first started reading about this because mm-hmm. so many times we've had this this world of darkness movies or TV shows or video game or mm-hmm. what the fuck ever thing that they're trying to come up with this time yeah. mm-hmm. doesn't ever come to fruition. Well, the people behind this, on the other hand, make things come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a very good track record of taking things that haven't, aren't the greatest properties and making mm-hmm. to shit that people love. And weirdly, all of them actually have a background playing or running World of Darkness games. If mm-hmm. I had an interesting TV show doing like The Masquerade, I think it would be fucking boss. I think a lot of people would get into it. We haven't had a cool, sexy vampire show in a really long time. I mean, True Blood's about yeah. to come back out. So. Well, I mean, fuck, it better. I mean, it's, literally, it's like <laughs> but, I think this summer. No, I mean, I, I do feel like Vampire the Masquerade is the easiest in air quotes to tap and mm-hmm. make a successful show and or I think it works better as a, as a, as a TV show. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of politics in vampire, the masquerade and that's more lends itself to a long form game of Thrones style show, Honestly, mm-hmm. which is what I would look make forward a fucking to TV show. I am not limiting it to, this is going to be the vampire thing because if you're going to do sexy fucking vampires, I'm going to have some sexy fucking werewolves that are jumping through different realities. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to literally do the world of darkness. Right. And well, go, yeah, season two and three and four, <laughs> you know, we, we can get there. But, oh, no, but, but there you are gotta, some, you got to have that integrated. World there's some the properties that the world of darkness gotta, has that lend themselves better to movies. Like mm-hmm. I feel like Changeling the Dreaming would be an amazing mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. And um, they have they can make whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, Wraith the Oblivion, this. solid. That's a horror, like deep, deep cut horror. Mm-hmm. That's Honestly, if they made, I wish people would do more comics for Wraith the Oblivion. I think that would be more interesting. Let's get rid of Demon the Fall, and that shit was fucking dumb. I don't think that that's a thing anymore. Yeah, I, in the new stuff, I'm yeah. just going that, through the history of them. Like yeah. Changeling has been like four different things, and mm-hmm. that depends on the director of what, because it's literally, what's your imagination? That's the game. I think Mage works so, Mage works really well as a movie because it's it's very much just about like manipulating reality and like the repercussions of that. Well, and there's two different versions of how Mage works. There's yeah. the one where reality itself it, um fixes itself and there's the one where it just needs to be coerced and moved along like a you river. massage it like yeah. A, yeah. Like one a, is more like if you try dope. to turn this table into a snake um the universe will slap you. you and then the other one is, oh, cool. As long as nobody's in the room, that's totally doable. Yeah. Mm. 
So there's yeah. there's some really cool rule sets and things that they can do with it. But I'm looking forward yeah. to this because obviously the people who bring The Witcher and the Expanse to the big screen, um, I love those properties. Yeah, they, they they fucking know what they're doing when it comes to TV. That's for sure. Yep. And there's they a lot shit. of abstract concepts in the world of darkness. And honestly, if I had read The Expanse before I had seen the show, I'd be like, I don't know how the fuck you're gonna put that on a TV. Like, mm-hmm. that's gonna be expensive. Yeah. yeah. As the production company behind this, that's what really got me excited and said, oh, this is actually happening. Because it wasn't until they were on board and we're like, oh, we're, this is the next thing we're working on. We yeah. were wrapping up the expanse. We're now working on the world of darkness. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's literally, this is their kind of announcement to what the next thing is going to be from them. It's going to take a couple of years to get there, mm-hmm. but expanse is almost done. Yeah. So. <laughs> considering the way that they adapted it into something the Witcher's like doing its own so faithful to the property. And mm-hmm. this is for both the Witcher and the expanse, something so faithful to the property, but something that worked so well on the screen rather than the page yeah. or the game. Yeah. Yeah. World of darkness all the way. I will be blown away if vampire isn't the first thing that's announced. Yeah. It, it is it the, most the most popular. popular. It'd be the best entry point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm just excited to see what they're going to do with, the whole thing. Like, yeah. are they going to stick with the same naming thing? Or are they going to do just a show called like world of darkness? Look, all I'm saying is that gonna, anything was better comic books and mm-hmm. video games out of this from I mean, a different. W- what place. we have is we have a series of adults ready to go watch, you know, Thor love and thunder. We're old enough. We're nerdy enough in our old age to go like, yeah, I mean, I don't care what you call a vampire. You can call it a shadowling, a changeling. You can call that guy a mage. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Tell me what the story is. Show me the stuff. I feel like, you know, 10, 20 years ago, all of the adults would have been like, this is weird. But, you know. I mean, to be fair, they did make a Vampire the Masquerade TV show, but Aaron Spelling produced it. And it was basically 90210 with vampires. Yeah. It that, was not good. That sounds truly bad. It is really I bad. It was made in the mid-90s. Yeah. I feel worse for knowing that exists yeah. yeah and yet i've watched the entire first season because there's I only feel, one season oh lord several feel, times i'll feel worse because aaron spelling exists <laughs> <laughs> okay that is everything that we have for the news this week we are going to take a small break and when we come back we'll be going into our main topic in the boss room boss room hey adventures welcome back to the show this is the boss room our main discussion for the podcast that is sometimes related to the news sometimes not This week, we're here to spoil and talk about all things about the Disney Plus series Falcon and the Winter Soldier since it wrapped up last week. Mm -hmm. That being said, spoilers ahead. Oh, yes. We are going to talk about uh, every aspect of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm -hmm. So let's just dive in. Who wants to go first? Okay, oh so um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go first because this was how many how many hours it was six hours six, right? six hours yeah six uh, hours ish, give or take uh, rough, roughly six hours mm-hmm. um, of uh, a film or uh, we well Cran have agreed that it was film like a really long movie mm-hmm. um, but at least uh, a series that honestly didn't need to exist if everybody was just okay with having a, a black Captain America right. so so which would... it's... <laughs> That's true. So was this a six-hour movie, or was the Snyder Cut a miniseries? We're, we're going to need to figure that out. Or maybe TV is just this way now, and we should be cool with it. I just want to put things in my eyes so my brain can so, process. So the, the starting point that Tony's coming out of the gate with is, is a very important point. When Falcon debuted in Marvel Comics as Captain America, there was a lot of, and I'm putting air quotes around this, controversy. Lol. Not, not actual controversy. Controversy. There's a bunch of cunts being fucking yeah. cunts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people had problems with the black Captain America. And 
I think that if they just said, hey, we're doing a Captain America 4, guess what? It's going to be Falcon. People would probably react in the same way because there's a lot of horrible human beings out there. Yep. So what they gave us was a six-hour origin story for Falcon becoming Captain America, and now suddenly we're all okay with it. I mean, I'm super fucking okay with it. I mean, I would have been okay with it either way, but right. I am I mean, glad that we got me a, the exact same length amount of time of the origin story of Bucky, or he was, you know, sorry, not Bucky. Yeah. Even Bucky in mm-hmm. uh, fucking first cap. Oh yeah. Um, being little <laughs> kids running around in New York. I would eat the shit out of that one too. And like anytime you give me the really long origin story, I'm probably mm-hmm. going to like it. <laughs> well, see, and here's the thing that, uh, that, that I remembered I wanted to say before we started the show is if we have the first Captain America, right, uh, the, the first Avenger, mm-hmm. um, it is probably about 30 minutes. I'll go back and figure out how long it is before we even see him a normal person sized, uh, much less in the outfit. That's probably a, at least an hour before we see yeah. him in the outfit. Uh, so that is a long origin story for that. If we made Falcon and the Winter Soldier or just the cap, new, cap, uh, new Captain America... You know, with with Sam, it's if we took an hour, hour and a half before we saw him in the costume, when everyone knows that's where we're going, people would get upset. People would get bored right? because everyone knows where this is going, because this is the title of the movie. This is what we're doing. It's Captain America, part four, new beginning or whatever dumb shit they would have pulled out of their ass to do the same thing they already did. Right. Instead we got a longer time to hit all of the reasons why Sam deserves to be Captain America and why it was passed on and why that was important and also why that was a little shitty and all of the history and the context that goes along with that. I think this would have been a much, much worse movie than it was a series. Okay, I could see that. So we have some stuff to kind of dive into here because when Falcon and the Winter Soldier hit... Um, one of the first things that we got was John Walker, mm-hmm. um, who everybody knows from the comics as U.S. agent. He does right. eventually become that in the uh, film mm-hmm. or in the series. Uh, but more importantly, one of the things we need to talk about is his performance. Yeah, because we got into like the second episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and the internet was like, "I hate this person." Fucking stupid and, shit. And we haven't had a, a, oh, a, it was a WWE level fucking every like. Everybody communally just went, no, heal. Everybody yep. hate him. I mean, it was a he Joffrey bad. level of yeah. hatred. They were like, yep. fuck this guy. I hate him. And they gave us a positive a origin story. Yes. They get, they're like, he is a good man. He is mm. a good soldier who he has done good orders. things. Yep. The problem is we do not need a Captain America that follows orders mm-hmm. because right. America's not about following orders. Right. And, <laughs> and, and, and maybe it was... The fact that Steve never got to do a lot of the war that his friends went to do, mm-hmm. even after becoming like you know, after even after taking the super soldier serum, they didn't let him go fight. They made him, you know, according to his own doodle, the dancing monkey, to you know earn money for war bonds, even right. though he had superhuman fucking strength and yeah. speed and whatnot. Uh, uh, Wyatt Russell's character, uh, John Walker. Mm-hmm. John Walker. Uh, it shows up and he's like, yeah, I'm a soldier. Here are all my decorations. Here are all my medals. If anyone has the pedigree to be the new Captain America, it's this guy. Right. And then we listen to him talk and listen to him talk to his fellow soldiers who has been mm-hmm. in the shit with him. Yeah. And they're like, you know, everything we did wasn't right. 
Yeah. You know we've seen some shit that went down bad and that we were on the wrong side of. Right. You know, who are we really? And it's like, we are who we are. And that's what... I keep wanting to call him Wyatt Russell because I really respect him as an actor because he made me hate him so much. Yeah. And that's what we found John Walker doing as Captain America. He was getting the fucking job done. He was following orders. He was doing it boldly and brashly like a bully and like no one could stop him because that's how he felt because that's what Captain America, he thought embodied, you know, right. the spirit of, a, of of an army and a military that no one can stop because that's what modern American soldiers are taught to feel. Yeah, like. we got we got through like uh, the second episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier and I went on Twitter and uh, really drunk, by the way. I, yeah. <laughs> I apologize to anybody who follows my personal Twitter. And I was like, here's the problem with John Walker you guys are so mad at is that Captain America represents the America as we want it to be, and he represents Cap- uh, he represents America as it actually is. Mm-hmm. Which That's is really it. prescient, because episode four was like the absolute amalgamation of that, yep. right? Like, like it, was, it was fucking invading Iraq all over mm-hmm. again. You know, his friend gets killed, he runs after the person who killed his friend, can't find them, finds their friend and murders them in cold blood in front of the entire world. Mm-hmm. That's pretty fucking American. That is very American. Yeah. Um, now, there's a lot of stuff in this show that... And then he washed the evidence off. <laughs> <laughs> then he washed the evidence off. Um, there's a lot of interesting stuff that happened in Falcon and the Winter Soldier that I don't know if it's been given enough credit or not. Um, specifically, we had uh, Isaiah Bradley who showed up. Oh. If you're unfamiliar with this character, maybe you only saw him in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, he is from a run of Captain America. It is called uh, Truth. I believe I, I'm not familiar yeah. with it. I believe the comic is called truth. Mm-hmm. You literally posted on Facebook about it. I saw it. I, I'm sure I did. I'm sure I shared an article. Yeah. I might um, not read all the yeah, articles. It, I it's, shared. it's about a black captain America. Um, <laughs> and we, anyone? we took the character of Isaiah Bradley from the comics and somebody I never thought would get airtime in oh, the Marvel kidding, universe. Right? And then we said, all right, so here's the deal. We're going to tell the story about this black man who has the powers of captain America a was experimented on, mm-hmm. which draws parallels to the actual experimentation. Uh, yeah, the, the Tuskegee experiments yeah. where they were testing um, whether or not uh, syphilis was good for you or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it, it was a very horrible thing that actually happened in no. American history. Yeah, and we we took that, we changed it over to the Super Soldiers uh, program, and we basically put we shined a light on this. We yeah. said, "Why did Steve get to be Captain America and Isaiah Bradley didn't?" And they literally said, "It's because of the color of his skin." Mm-hmm. Yeah, straight up. And the character in the show, oh man, does he really hammer home the way someone who had gone through all that would feel mm-hmm. about the United States. And he contrasts back and forth with Sam, and Sam gets to look upon his elder, who's literally done this, who has worn the uniform and been in his place before, and what happened to him. And he 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 looks at this person this this angry bitter person very very rightfully so mm-hmm. i would be too is something sam says and something i say if i were him i'd be burning shit down right but uh, sam looks at this guy uh, uh, feels his pain because that's kind of his superpower isn't it mm-hmm. is is feeling the pain of the people around him and trying to teach them to focus it mm-hmm. and he figures out how to turn it into hope yeah uh, that and it wouldn't be possible without the performance from. Oh, from it was the so powerful! Because, it was so powerful. Oh right, so, man. Uh, yeah, Carl Lumbly. Thank uh, you. Is uh, so amazing throughout the entire series, and then getting to that revelation at the end is just—it was 
like the acceptance mm. the end was just so good because you're getting the ah, sorry I was looking at different actors names and I'm like Fuck, all of you were amazing in this <laughs> yeah it's like Danny Ramirez that's the guy I was trying to remember who he was the entire time I watched I'm like I know this actor's name but I refuse to look up anything online about this show well and there's something very important that happens in Falcon and the Winter Soldier that honestly doesn't happen enough in America and so we have the scene at the end where Sam takes Isaiah to the museum and says here is your story as horrible as it is here it is here it is on the wall so that everybody can see it so that we all know as a society who you are, what your contribution was to the world, mm -hmm. and that, yes, what happened to you is horrible, but it needs to serve as a reminder that we can always do better. Right. That we must be doing better as America. There, there's, this, there's this power to memorializing something like that. Um, when someone does something like that, when you're a victim of something like that, and it becomes a secret, and it becomes something you can't talk about... I think your biggest fear might be that this could happen to anyone at any time. But right. but putting it on a wall so that people can learn from it, so that people can say, oh, wow, this is part of this our history, too. Right. This right here stands next to Captain America and, you know, Bucky Barnes and all of these, you know, World War II heroes. This is something that we did, too. And we need to know never to go down this path again. Mm -hmm. and, like the, the legitimacy that it lends to your experience, because now it's public. Now people know is just it's everything. Right. And we just live in a kind of America where so often we want to just dig our heads into the ground and say, like, racism is over. The bad things didn't or, you know, didn't happen. Mm -hmm. We can all move past as equals. Um, but not acknowledging those kind of things is what it, it poisons the well. It does. And that's what Isaiah's story was being able to, to make that museum mm -hmm. piece for him and say, we did these horrible things as Americans, but he is a part of Captain America's story. He's a part of, part of America's story. Mm -hmm. We need to, ex we need to accept that it is a part of a story. We need to, you know, make sure that this does not happen again. This is yeah. not the America that we envision and what the America we should be fighting for going forward. Mm -hmm. The, idea that a Captain America being something it's it, eh. we had the Captain America as the perfect soldier right. with US agent mm -hmm. and then with Anthony Mackie coming in having Captain America being a trauma counselor mm -hmm. is the one person you're like, yeah, can we just fucking give him the super soldier serum now? Yeah. Like without right. him knowing and like he just punches better magically. Yeah. Be like, I know that's right technically, but like, oh, really just he deserves to have that power because he's already has shown that mm -hmm. he deserves the mantle of Captain America mm -hmm. throughout the entire series. That's the point of him showing and mm -hmm. overcoming all these obstacles, his hero's journey mm -hmm. of truly accepting who he is as a black man in the pseudo military as the face of America. Mm. And um, I only have one problem with this show though. Okay. And it's specifically about the very end. Mm -hmm. And it's the costume that he puts on. That's really white. The costume it's, is. I know it's not. It's from the comic. But yeah. Like, yeah. The so, comic. So, so, really white. so, so here's the thing. And whatever <laughs> color black guy, dude, white. Whatever color it is, and I know it's from a comic book, and I know it's an older comic, and that maybe that looked cool, then something about this outfit is a little 
off. Look, this was a ta- top of his but, head. But and I know it's the first one. one. I, I, know, I know one. it's the end of Daredevil season one. Like the outfit looks a little weird, guys. But you know what? It's his first outfit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I, I, I think we're okay. I think they'll definitely update it. Think yeah. about how many times you've seen Captain America on screen. He has never worn the same outfit. Not a yeah. single fucking it's time. Every yeah. movie he gets a different outfit, yeah. and I'm so, very happy that this one was limited to. The end of this because yeah. it just felt a little like cool. You dressed up the black guy as a white guy for the end of it, <laughs> and you left the top of his head open, which was a huge vulnerability for a guy who has no fucking superpowers whatsoever. Aside from he fly good and make people deal with their issues. Mm-hmm. All which right, is what so I- there, there's something to be said about that uh, before we move on real mm-hmm. quick because Captain America, Steve Rogers, Captain America was a soldier that lead soldiers he was the first like he you know when he's talking to tony in avengers he's like the guy to lay down across the barbed wire the guy to be the first through the door the guy to you know take all these people and show them what they're fighting for and be the first across the line to fight for it sam as captain america as an ideal as that thing is less of that and more of a soldier that helps other soldiers and he wants to shoulder their burden. You're right. He helps them deal with the parts of being a soldier that make you worse at being a human. Mm-hmm. He brings you back. Uh, he, he makes being a soldier okay. And he makes it, you know, part of your past when it can be. Yeah. And, and that, that, to me, if I were going to have like the best soldier I could possibly have, the best idea of a soldier, it would be that more than the guy who shoots real good or like is bulletproof. Like, I I love the way Sam represents Captain America as the, you know, the soldier that takes care of soldiers rather than the one that leads him toward, leads them towards danger because that's brave. That's true. Uh, And so, of course, we've definitely (laughs) focused really hard on the aspect of the show, which was, you know, the Falcon slash Captain America angle. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we do need to spend a few minutes here and at least talk about the Winter Soldier slash Bucky's arc. Okay, yeah, because I would watch another six episodes of this old boat right now. (laughs) Like, right now, guys. Honestly, if Sebastian Stan had a television show with Anthony Mackie where they just renovated a boat and just together. Ate, yeah, and just like cooked some Cajun food. <laughs> I would watch the living fuck out of that as well. So, if you know, I feel like that's how we got mm-hmm. this show. If we just mention things to the ether, that they're, mm-hmm. they're really just maybe one of them will one day happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, there's a thing with um, buddy cop movies, um, and this is definitely not that. That was something that we could have used to describe the show before we saw it. Mm. There's a thing with buddy cop movies where both characters are equally as interesting Mm -hmm. and we just follow them both the same way. This show was definitely Sam's show. Bucky Mm. is definitely Sam's sidekick throughout the show. He's literally just there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he's literally just there to be and the Winter Soldier and to help when we need help, right? And uh, he's so good at it that you forget. You forget constantly that he's the sidekick. You're, you're like, oh, you know, he's a little lonely and he wants to be there and he's helping mm-hmm. and he's really charming and he's super into Sam's sister mm-hmm. and like... <laughs> his, I'm going to be their dad. Yeah. A little bit of your headcanon on that one, but I see it. I it, see it, it, it. His whole story is just trying to figure out who he is because he doesn't know what the fuck. He, I mean, we'll he's take, been in and out of time the whole time. Let's take two scenes, all right? Mm-hmm. So let's take the scene um, of 
the of the Winter Soldier slash Bucky sleeping on the floor, mm-hmm. um, which remember this kind of all harkens back to that discussion that Falcon and yeah. and Captain America had of yeah. you know it's like sleeping on a marshmallow yeah. when you come back. Mm-hmm. Bucky sleeping on the floor, yep. right? And him having nightmares, him remembering his past. Now let's take the other scene, the very end. A winter soldier pulls up in a truck that is Sam's truck, by mm-hmm. the way, which means he borrowed Sam's truck to go somewhere yep. to get a cake, probably Target, yep. and came back with like a Target cake <laughs> and then strolled up into the crawfish boil like he was Nolan's family. Yep. These are two different men. The fact mm. that they let him bring that cake in was like... <laughs> hey, he, he didn't know any better. They he, sent him for the cake. Remember what food was like when he was growing up? That cake is the height of luxury to him. Right. He's never seen sugar, that much sugar. sugar in the same town. This it is, was the 40s. But this is two different, very distinct people. We watched a Bucky who came into the show in therapy. And then one who maybe is not over the things that he has done, mm-hmm. but has found somebody has found it, forged a connection with somebody. It, honestly, let's just say what it is. He found a family. Yeah. Right. He said in the show, the shield is the closest thing that I have to family. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the show, Sam's family is the closest thing that he had to family. Right. It's a, you know, he had such an amazing journey all on his own. Cause he's a guy who gets to find himself and figure out how to live in a world. Excuse me. Without, Steve, mm-hmm. he has to figure out how to live in a world without Steve when Steve has kind of defined his life for a little while. Yeah. And he knows he can't be Captain America. He knows mm-hmm. he can't, like, like how impossible it would be to try and make amends. And he's still yeah. trying. He is still trying. And watching him grow into a person who knows that, you know, amends are good, but also you have to live and you have to allow yourself to, I mean, God, sure. it's such an amazing I mean, the, 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 the two story arcs that we have here is the arc of Sam Wilson learning to become and understand what it means to be Captain America. Then you have Bucky's arc, which is how, who am I? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, now that I am not these things that I was before, who am I as a person? Mm-hmm. That is a very deep personal growth that parallels what Sam is going through. But he's trying to figure out how to operate in this world where he isn't just a super assassin. Yeah. And his best friend is dead. These are all complicated issues that are that are addressed in this show. And he has a very beautiful arc. He does. Like, like the smile on his face at the end of this when he's strolling up with that cake. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, dude, you are feeling all of this. <laughs> yeah. You are now a New Orleans resident, my friend. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the boil. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe we're going to go out on this boat later. Just from Bucky's perspective, it was the story of my two therapists. <laughs> right. Yeah, pretty much. And, and that's kind of, that's great for his arc that he... Mm-hmm. Got to become himself again, mm-hmm. and or got to feel like himself. Yeah, um, because he hasn't been himself in a very yeah, long time. Yeah, we haven't seen so a, who the we, fuck has well, he been? We yeah, haven't be, seen a bu- yeah. we haven't seen Bucky smile like that since the original yeah. Captain America movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's this amazing line in the show, and I forget what the setup to the joke was. It was you know someone's like, oh yeah, you never heard of so and so, and he's like, nah, I like 40s music. So, <laughs> and th- there's this like disconnect from. <laughs> who he is as a person to literally the rest of the world. Because like, if you said today to somebody, yeah, no, I like forties music. They'd look at you like, what the fuck does that mean? But 
like can you like a band like do you like who was who was playing in the 40s oh there's some great lines like that there there was the one where sam looks at him and goes like are you did you just quote lord of the rings and he's like yeah i read it in 1937 when it (laughs) came came out out. like that was such a beautiful moment i was like god damn it this show is so funny yeah there is so much to appreciate about this show. And I think that one of the things that people may have had problems with is that we came just hot on the heels of WandaVision, mm-hmm. which was a show that really gave us a lot of rumor and speculation. Mm-hmm. Every episode of WandaVision was like, oh my God. What who, does this mean for the who, future? Who is this person? What is this doing? Is this tied into Doctor Strange? Yeah. I don't know. Why is X-Men... Quicksilver right, here. Right. Was that a mutant? Did right. I see a mutant? Cool. I'm glad that uh, societally everybody realized what it was to be a junkie who couldn't get their fucking fix for a while <laughs> and then was a bit too energetic. But now we have like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is like, guys, it's, it's all out there. Yeah, like, it's just the like, story. There, there wasn't even like a worry about who is the power broker. We literally oh, finished the episode where it's like, who is the power broker? And everybody, it, it's her. Yeah, it's her. It's she, literally She did it. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, that's how all yeah. of this works. That's what this scene is about. Yeah. Um, so it was a different type of show because we didn't have to do the week-to-week speculation. Mm-hmm. Um, Much less of a mystery box. And it felt good. It, yeah, it, it was did. a six-hour Marvel movie, but mm-hmm. you know what? Well, I, I wanna, it, it is a six-hour Marvel movie. And to, and to be more accurate, it's more of a six-hour Captain America movie in that, you know, those movies had a very specific style. Yes. And they had, you know, a kind of a grayer color palette and were very much into their espionage mm-hmm. and, you know, had big bombastic action scenes. And then it was just kind of a lot of people talking about politics and how they feel about politics. Mm-hmm. And I'm not diminishing those movies. They're some of my favorite in the Marvel franchise because they're very well made. All three of them are very different types of films. Mm-hmm. Eh, yeah, kind of. Well, the first one is very literally a World War II movie, right? But it's still kind of a spy movie. And then the, they're all, they all have to stay similar because it's Captain America, but they are all different. One has definitely more more as a spy element of it. But that wasn't my point. I was about to make it (laughs) right. So those movies all feel kind of the same, but this while keeping with that same theme with the like, okay, we're going to start with some action. We're going to have a lot of people talking about their feelings and what it means to be a soldier. A lot of that was better. The The, the show had a better color palette than a lot of those movies. Right. The action was filmed better and more excitingly than a lot of those movies. Let's not forget how much like shaky cam fighting there is in uh, Civil War and Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. There was not a lot of that. Everything was shot wide. Everything was very well choreographed. Mm-hmm. The fight scene for where uh, Sam and Bucky fight uh, Captain America, uh, John Walker for the first time was amazingly well done because every every hit in that fight scene felt like it had an impact, mm-hmm. and you were worried the entire time because one of those people was not a super soldier. Right. So it, that that fight scene felt good in a way that like a John Wick fight scene feels good, mm-hmm. rather than just the dolls punching each other. Those, those cuts whenever they became close were mm-hmm. very well done. The editing is, uh, it was amazingly done throughout this with the exception of, I'm pretty sure it, uh, it was someone's choice. I don't know who to keep just inserting these close ups when they weren't necessarily ne- when they just weren't necessary into shots to show the emotional truth of the actor at that point where you're like, yeah, but you don't need to get, this close. My hands are really close to my face for people who are. There is one thing. On there's one elephant in the room that we have not talked about yet, <laughs> and, it's, and I feel like it's very important. And I do agree, Tony. Like th- those close-ups did get a little excessive sometimes. Yeah, it was, it's especially like when Sam's flying. They went for like the the Iron Man thing, and it's like mm, 
It's a little. But much. he's not wearing a helmet, so there's no right. like effect. They did do this thing where they like rotated it, like he did it like a flip, and I was like, that was fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's, there's definitely like even in the first three episodes, you'll notice um, having a conversation like in the bank, and then when I get it, it's supposed to be a mm-hmm. very close up scene. Mm-hmm. You're being very emotionally vulnerable, and then the camera. We might be mm. a little worried. That was about, that was a visual gag for those of yeah, you not watching. We, we yeah. might be a little worried about close up faces just because of the state of the world. Yeah. <laughs> So one thing that we haven't talked about here, and I feel like it's a very important thing to talk about, is the Zemo of it all. Yeah. You want to talk about a character who basically almost hijacked the entire show from the main actors? That, that's kind of my last big heap of praise on the show. And it's it's because of the, the, the showrunners, the people who really made this show shine, is that they had a sense of style. Mm-hmm. Uh the stuff shot in like the uh, you remember the name of it because I don't the crazy like cyberpunk city uh, Madripoor yeah yeah the, the the stuff shot in Madripoor looked like cyberpunk Singapore and it was amazing mm-hmm. the stuff shot in the city looked like it was in the city but it had like you know the right amount of lens flare and the right amount of color mm-hmm. and. The scene in the bar when we're talking about Zemo and you were about to get into Zemo where he's dancing became an instant meme because of how well that scene was put together. Just the right music, just the right dancing, just the right lighting, just the right clothes for everyone to look at this villain and go, yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, this is cool. Keep dancing. Keep dancing. And it was all, and that was something that was like improv. Like the actor was like, we're in here in the situation. We have to blend in. So... He's just going to dance a little bit. And like, it is now a legendary meme. There's an entire Twitter account that basically just syncs up Zemo dancing to various songs. I love it. And he was, he has always been a very compelling character. Um, In Civil War, we had the whole Zemo of it where it was like, you know, these people shouldn't exist. Mm -hmm. Also like... Winter Soldier killed like Iron, yeah. Uh, yeah. killed you know Iron Man's we, family. We, we figure out that you know Zemo's family was killed based on the actions of the Avengers, right. and he is very upset. And that's pretty much all we get about him. That we get his motivation, and we get that he's very smart for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. We don't really very smart, get much. Very rich, or has least access to a lot of things. Right. Yep. There's almost no character depth right. or reason. We don't even know he's rich until the new show. Like, yeah. like in Civil well, War, we have no like, idea. Baron or whatever yeah, yeah. the fuck. Once they mention it, it's like, well, like a throwaway line, I believe. Mm-hmm. Either way, he's, he's treated as a the um, MacGuffin. That's all he is. Is mm-hmm. he is a non-character? He has no depth, no air or arc at anything. The, with the show, you have to kind of give everybody some kind of arc. Otherwise, you're really fucking shit at storytelling. I mean, or just, you know, making the most blandest, boring thing you fucking can. And when you only have a few characters on your show, mm-hmm. maybe give them an arc over the six episodes. Ooh, mm-hmm. they did that. And fucking everybody in the show had a very good development. I'm mm-hmm. glad that we took a character that was not a character. Baron mm-hmm. Zemo was In nothing. Civil War, he was, he was a background yeah, actor. He, yeah. was, mm-hmm. he was the reason to make the thing, make the... Yeah, he um, was the MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the impetus. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the pendulum point, whatever the fuck that thing is. I can't remember what it is. Either way, and in this, because he is so with the character, I mean, because, sorry. You're good. There's this thing about Zemo where, and you're right, he does have an arc, but the entire arc is that he 
does not not necessarily grow more he just kind of fleshes himself out to the people around yeah. him because i mean sam and bucky are both like wait you're rich yeah. but there's <laughs> and, but there's such little things that happen like when he gets the candy and presents the candy to the children right. it, he, his his he, his his development as a character is told in subtlety very very it's much the, so I did this for my children. And mm. all of a sudden, just with that line, your heartstrings go. You're like, fuck, mm. man, your your kids mm-hmm. died. Fuck. This is all really fucked yeah. up. And when he knows how to talk to kids and when he's incredibly fucking reasonable with everyone around him, even though they're all like, you're going to jail. And the other one's like, he's not going to jail. I'm going to kill him right here. And the right. other one's like, no, he's going to our jail, not your jail. And he's just here like, fucking guys, can we... Yeah. I know I did the thing. Right. <laughs> I did a lot of evil. I did a lot and, of bad things. And I most killed of you your me like this I get. <laughs> right. Yep. But you know the the entire time you have the actual conflict going on with the actual plot with can we all talk about how no one remembers the main villain's name in in this because as much as we agreed with what she was doing mm-hmm. um the, the show didn't yeah. really well here, here's the thing. Not with what she was doing. She was That's, part of. That it, it was. She is a group. Just to flesh it out really quick, she is a group of refugees who all consolidated into single communities after the blip. Everyone did, mm-hmm. which means a lot of people from a lot of poor countries got to move into richer countries mm-hmm. because uh, and and start a new life. And everyone f- fucking started helping each other because everyone's family was gone. Everyone's everyone was gone, mm-hmm. and people started really behaving themselves and really you know embracing the other and being like, I guess we're all neighbors. We're all in this together. Let's let. Do this thing. The world united, like exactly. Thanos wanted everybody to do. So yep. suddenly, everyone wants to fucking. And this is the narrative coming out of everyone that we hear, everyone in power. Now that the blip has returned, everyone's like, "Okay, time to go back to the way things are." And her entire impetus is fucking no. We cannot go back to the way things are. Wait, you're trying to deport? We've been here for five years. This mm. is our lives, and you want to send us all back to the place we came from? That the countries that have been abandoned for five years with all the people who lived there so that we can go back to poverty and war and anger and famine and disease. Right. No, let's help more people because now there are more people. And yes, she does. She goes about it the wrong way, but she has a good struggle. And I agreed with her at least to the extent that I agreed that something needed to be done and those people needed to be taken care of. Sam had the right idea. Zemo had the right idea. But when Zemo articulated these points, when he explained why it was important that we do what we're doing a lot of people and i saw this on twitter on facebook from people i went to high school with uh, people were just posting flagrantly without any kind of irony or even reservation i totally agree with zemo right now guys what where's the show going this is like episode three episode four they're like maybe maybe no superheroes guys and uh, yeah maybe like refugees or humans and we should like treat them with dignity Maybe all this stuff, maybe, maybe the, you know, the, the main antagonist, uh, maybe, don't kill people, don't blow shit up, but like, yeah, fucking power to the people, like, come on. I mean, if you really look at it, and this is the post-Thanos five years later, mm-hmm. you've had uh, Tony, blip. yeah, the post the blip, and you've had what, the Tony Stark and however many, the rest of the Avengers, whoever mm-hmm. was left, like the six of them fucking hard on to time travel yeah. because they got to fix things for some fucking reason because they miss their best friends. Mm. The rest of the world, on the other hand, which they should have been paying attention to, actually came together and said, oh, 
fuck. Um, we are just ants on a fucking rock. Let's. All right, come on, guys. Let's, let's figure yeah, this out. Literally half of us just disappeared because of an alien. None of this makes any sense. Can we all just be like human yeah, beings that together? That happened mm-hmm. and. Five years of people kind of figuring their shit out, going, all right, let's get together. Mm-hmm. Let's start taking. We became literally mm-hmm. a post-scarcity society. And then Tony Stark capitalism the fuck out of it again by throwing everybody else back at us. Fuck him. Tony Stark is a horrible piece of shit. Uh, still. That I was right. I'm it's, going to vehemently disagree sorry, with all of that. <laughs> with all of that real quick. Sorry, um, they definitely knew what was going on in the world. Uh, Black Widow was fighting it every single day and was very sure. tired at the beginning of Endgame. Um, it wasn't that they missed their best friends. It was that half of all sentient beings in the universe had been killed. And yes, life had gone on for five years after that tragedy. But the idea of unkilling even one person who was killed unjustly right now feels like if I could do that, I might, uh, if they were killed a year ago, five years ago, I don't know if you let I me I can do think that. of a handful of people that I won't get into because we're not a political yeah, podcast. Exactly. But imagine if you could snap your fingers and bring everyone back who didn't deserve to die. I mean, yeah. it's pretty tempting. I, I, I don't think Tony's a piece of shit for doing it. I really don't. Tony, Tony just wants one good I hate uh, Tony Stark jab like That's once fair. every three episodes. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's still a capitalist and he could still spend his money in way better ways. But I mean, we don't know the economics of fake world because it's fake world. Right. So let's bring <laughs> it back to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We need to start wrapping up because we are running okay. a little bit long here. I liked Carly as an actress yes. in this role. I didn't necessarily understand face hand mask. Because there was a hand on a face mask thing. I don't fucking know the it, bad Jason mask bullshit. Th- okay, the reason they th- this is literally a reference. They had it's it. a reference to the Black Panthers. It's a beret. It, no. it, it's a scary thing no. that they wear so that they no. all look like they're together. I, I, again, mm-hmm. it wasn't the imagery I have a problem mm-hmm. with, and it wasn't the acting I had from it really any of the people in it. Actors, were it great. was. And I get the idea they were going with the way it was handled. Just seemed kind of not memorable enough for me to give a re like mm-hmm. I get that we're trying to come together as a society yeah. and they really tried to push that together but mm-hmm. because it was one of so many plots with so many other characters it did get left behind to a degree and I kind of want to know what was left behind yeah. with sure. those characters I, absolutely I mean like agree. why did I have to have fucking I mean I get George St. Pierre because also that's such a callback. It's that's such a, the callback that's a pretty good callback. It was so fucking good. Mm-hmm. But like, if I could sacrifice that five or six, seven minutes that mm-hmm. he was in the show for actual character development with the world of the people within that they're like, yeah. that sure. are the refugees that are stuck, mm-hmm. I feel it would have a far more emotional impact for what the storytelling could have been mm-hmm. versus giving us a fight scene with dude that kicks good. Yeah, I, I, you're exactly right. I feel like we could have used a moment with what, the actress or the character's name. I really can't remember. Okay, so um, <laughs> this is the fun part because uh, Carly, I'm not going to be able to pronounce her last name, character name. Oh, because, right, right. Ca- Carly was her first name. Yeah, the, Carly is the character's uh, name. Yes. But Erin Kellyman Aaron is the Kellyman, actress. And, and she is, did a good makes job. complete sense with her red hair. I'm like, that I will never, I will always remember Erin Kellyman. Right. She has that red curly hair that I think is so fucking pretty. Yeah, it is. <laughs> we, you know what we needed? We needed like one scene. Like it could have been five minutes long. We needed her Malcolm X moment, mm-hmm. her Fred Hampton moment, her Which like gathering the group of had. people to, you know, let them know. He's like, hey, y'all, we don't need to accept this. We can do better. We can demand better. 
and you they know tried that maybe in the maybe some oppression, maybe some of them you know getting shot down and it, all their legal avenues being closed off. So maybe it made a little more sense when she was like, "No, no, we're protesting." Oh, but yeah, kill those guys. Yeah, set that truck right on fire. Yeah, mm-hmm. with all those people in it. Yeah, the innocent ones. Yeah, set it on fire. That's how okay, we get away. So um, the problem that was the problem. They did the church thing with it the escalated death too and quickly. It was it a, went from like you tried. You were like, "Okay, I'm kind of really on her side. All this makes sense." To Oh, I get super soldier and soldier make you super cray cray, but like there wasn't a lot more extra aside from her just being mm-hmm. like murder everyone that argues with against me. Right, mm-hmm. and I feel that that was bad for the character, and we could have gotten more justice to the cause. Yeah. Honestly, sure. I can see that. Um, real quick, uh, we need to just uh, do a quick roundtable. John uh, Walker as a character slash villain. Oh, I mean, like we said, like yeah, yeah. Uh, Wyatt Russell, the fucking the U.S. agent. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I haven't seen a better, shorter character arc in a long time because while he's in a lot of the show, he's not most of the show. Mm-hmm. When I think back to it, I don't think he's in like forty percent of the show. Mm-hmm. But in the time that he's on screen, he goes from like one thing to second thing to third thing, just really getting on board. And the whole time, the entire the, the entire time, I'm thinking, that's really American of him. Mm-hmm. Okay, soldier, yep, doing all the good things, following orders. Oh, yeah, there's some bad shit. That's very American. Being Captain America but not understanding that means knowing where not to go and what not to do, very American. Uh, having an enormous public falling out and having a rich lady come and rehab his image and then showing up to do a publicity stunt save with actual heroes so that people think he's a hero too again mm-hmm. holy shit yeah like a lot of people I, I saw a lot of reactions on twitter to the final episode that was like what he's just redeemed now what everything's okay now i'm like you guys entirely missed the point this is literally the story first of a off, bad pr rebrand. that's madame hydra yes that was introduced that was julia louis dreyfus <laughs> y'all come on Yes, and she she was amazing, but she literally showed up to be like, okay, we need to rehab your image. We need to we need to mm-hmm. we need to clean up your brand a little bit. And they do it, and it's successful. And now we have a new fucking thing. And now he's I guess he's not going to jail. Yep. <laughs> I guess he's going not going to face any consequences because the public is cool with him now because yep. of PR. And yeah, that's just still. Right on point, right up there with the hatred, with the naivety of letting himself be used that way, mm-hmm. which, I mean, it, it's all just so very on point and so very well done. And I believed it the entire time. And he sold me. Yeah, even, and you know what? It's all so on the nose. And still, I'm just like, yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Tony, yeah. do you have any thoughts about why Russell's uh, Sean Walker? Uh, I want him uh, and uh, as the actor mm-hmm. um, and the actor from uh, Game of Thrones played uh, Joffrey mm-hmm. to, to uh, join a support group together for people that just <laughs> for for actors hated yeah we'll put yeah, some Draco, right. put Draco Malfoy in there yeah, yeah. Like just, yeah. Uh, just all the actors your performance like... was that level of I love you because you're I 
fucking hate you. <laughs> uh, I would love to see, like, I'm just, like, workshopping this in my head now. Is like, a funny comedy scene where, like, the three of them and, like, a therapist and they're talking. And they're like, yeah, you know, no, people don't hate you. They hate the characters you play. They're like, all right, but I get yelled at in the street a lot. And they're like, don't let, those people are dumb. Don't worry about it. But and I then, am Draco! Right? And then, like, Draco's walking out and for no reason, Daniel Radcliffe walks by and just, like, bullies him casually. And walk <laughs> <away>. <laughs> hey, what's up, dumbass? Yeah, go go be the villain in another movie. <laughs> All right, so we need to put a pin on this and wrap it up. We have been going for quite a while, mm-hmm. so now it is time for the roundtable final thoughts. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, Hector, we'll start with you. I mean, if you haven't seen it, definitely see it. I'm sorry I spoiled the whole thing for you, but go fucking watch it. It's still worth a watch. Mm-hmm. Like, e- even if you watch this to avoid watching it, I'm telling you, go watch it. Mm-hmm. It is great. It teaches you a lot about the country <laughs> it, it, in, a, in an abstract way. But it is absolutely quality television. I would put it up there next to all of the Captain America movies. Um, uh, I can't wait for the next Marvel show. Mm-hmm. Captain America 4 was announced. Yes, it was. Yeah, that was. Uh, it ended with Captain See, America. Right. So, so here, here's my point. The reason I said I can't wait for the next Marvel show and not the Captain America 4 or Falcon and the Winter Soldier Season 2 is because I want them to make whatever they want. I don't want to beg for a show. Mm. Make what you're going to make. As long as you keep making stuff of this caliber, I'll keep watching. I can't wait to be impressed by Loki. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it honestly, yeah, I'm looking forward to Loki and everything else is coming together. It's... Mm-hmm. Disney knows what they're doing with Marvel and Marvel knows what they're doing overall that everybody's mm-hmm. being so far. I've yet to be let down, mm-hmm. even though there've been moments where I'm like, eh, whatever. MCU has had a rocky patch. Yeah, there's been ups and downs, mm-hmm. but overall, if I'm looking back at the last 11 years of a franchise that came from together, I, it's literally unheard of in humanity's history, what yeah. they've done. So yeah. at this point, they're still knocking out of the fucking park. Mm-hmm. The show was fucking great. Um, the cast was amazing. Um, it was not actually a large cast. I'm like just flipping through like the, the yeah. actors and everything. And yes, it was a large cast because it was. Oh six. yeah. But for mainstays, it's like nine <laughs> yeah. people or something. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a the large number of characters to have to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And Thank you for that. That makes yeah. makes my memory of who's who way easier. <laughs> um, overall, where I want them to go next with the Captain America is a movie. Obviously, I want I want there to be the new Captain America movie. Mm-hmm. This had to be created just to to not to explain why at the end he said no I'm not taking up the shield mm-hmm. and white america went that's fucking dumb that's entirely why this exists yep and i sad that that exists but i'm happy because it's really good is that it's weird right thing? so yeah <laughs> the show existed like in a place where it had to because we really did need this for people to accept what was coming and that is sad but the fact that we got it and that it was done so well yeah. and that they didn't fucking Watch it. That's a good thing. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to a Hispanic Falcon. Book oh, yeah, I know. Because right? I didn't got, even know that the, was a thing. I don't. He, I, he I, is in the comics. Head cannon. I'm not yeah. quite sure. No, he is, is in the comics. Okay, he is because yeah. I was like, yeah. dude, he gives him the, he is, the fucking. He is better straight up a character from the comics. Awesome. As soon as that character said his name on the air, everybody went, "Oh shit, that's the new Falcon." <laughs> Um, cool. For me, for Fal- for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I agree with all the points you guys are saying. It definitely had its its highs. 
the lows were not even really lows. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on board with the whole thing. I had such a good time. Wyatt Russell again, such a great villain. Um, I'm glad that it was so vastly different than WandaVision, which gives me hope for Loki coming up because that means that these are shows that are get to pr- be produced within their own bubble. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of us were angry when we first heard that it's only six episodes, but that six episodes was so compact and so tightly written that I wouldn't want it to be anymore. Yes, mm-hmm. I do want more. Yeah. But like, really at this point, I just want Zemo to have his own show. Mm-hmm. Honestly, they're like, can we just do this in a three hour movie? And they went, yeah, but like half of white America is still not going to get it. So mm-hmm. we got to like slow it down a little bit right. more. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's kind of that's why true. it's as that, long that, as it is. Sure, and that's fine. But I love every moment of yeah, it. Yeah, I loved every moment of it. Marvel needs to keep it up. I'm looking forward to Loki. Fortunately for us, Black Widow's right around the corner. Right around the corner. So oh, we at least get to watch Black months, Widow. Dude, we're, we're almost there. Um, well, that, one, a month and change. Yeah. All right, that is everything that we have for the show this week. Thank you for sitting here with us, listening to us vent and rant and just jizz all over Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It was so amazing. We had such a good time with it. It was great for us to sit down and actually just talk about it like this. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, if you want to talk to us about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Tony, where can they do that? Patreon.com slash the Surly Nerd. Um, join us there. You can uh, talk about Final Fantasy thingy and then yeah. some other stuff that we would do. Like if you want us to actually pull out a fucking Dreamcast and burn a disc that has to say like, Castlevania demo <laughs> and then put it in there and like record it and do the whole fucking like play along thing. Uh, pay us. I'll do it. I yeah. want to do that. Like, I really actually kind of want to do that. I don't know where the Dreamcast is. So you have to pay me enough to go find where it's the in the storage unit. Yeah. It's in the storage I'm unit. the one who knows where things are in the storage unit. And I don't know where it is in the storage <laughs> unit. So you're going to have to pay me to be able to find the fucking thing, which is probably it's equal to buying just another fucking Dreamcast. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> But uh, at the Surly Nerd, yeah, follow us there. Um, info at the Surly is our email address. Surly is our website. Uh, we're next episode's four hundred. Yeah, yeah, that's a thing. It's gonna be, bus- so, it's yay, gonna be business as usual. Yep. Yeah, no, I'm just kind of like letting everybody know. Hey, we've reached four hundred. Some things will be changing coming up soon. Very soon. Um, so uh, hopefully, no hiccups, and I'll let you know what does and doesn't uh, come about with those changes as yeah. they come about. All right, but there's some cool shit coming up. If you want to uh, do anything else, facebook.com slash the surly nerd is the last one. Mm-hmm. I This is the part where everybody's tuned out at the end of the show, but we still get to say the fun part at the very end. Which is for Tony, this is James. For James, this is Tony. And I'm Hector. Adventures, good night. And good game.